Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And with that, welcome in Jay and Des Redding. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, so... Good to have you guys. It's been a and, little while. And the fact that we're opening, we're getting updates, we're celebrating anniversaries. Guys, big week. We talk to you usually a couple times a year. This is always a staple of one of those times, though, because there's so much going on. Rock Hill, Winthrop, Edge. Uh, tell us where to start. Where, where should we start with this conversation? Well, we're enjoying the beautiful Rock Hill skyline there in the background. So. <laughs> a little better than Charlotte. Wait, okay. Uh, all right, here I, I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately jump in. Let's start with last week. I reached out to Des, who was understandably still trying to recover from a whirlwind weekend World. in playing up up the uh, road, so to speak, in Burlington, North Carolina. Congratulations on your FP50 victory at the U.S. Women's. Another major win in your un, under your belt? Yes. So let's start there. Des, uh, tell us what it feels like to have uh, yet another victory, but also just the span, the career in which we've seen you collect these major victories. Um, I think all of us legacy players have that same kind of mentality is collect them all, you know? So you're trying to collect the worlds in each decade. Now when the PDJ slid in those 55s and those 65s, (laughs) it's made it a little more difficult than the actual decade that used to be. Um, And the same holds true with the U S women's, you know, I started with the U S women's in 2002 with the Peoria Frisbee club, being a member with them, hustling papers to get involved. So U S women's has been incredibly dear to my heart. I never did play it for the two years that it was at, in Rock Hill. I actually had some family sponsor me that first year in 2001, but I just was so fresh and so green. I just could not get out here. And so, yeah, to be able to come and win in the fifties, we had a smaller field. The 55s were actually a bigger field, but the two Titans with Julianne and I, local Michelle Green was there who put down some heaters and the rain on us. Um, 
it's, it's fantastic. You know, I had a knee surgery earlier in this year, training teachers, the whole San Antonio school district where I blew out a meniscus. And so I had to get out of worlds, take bailing out of the pro tour card that I held and I never did play in events. And I really did use the disc golf strong method, swung a bad mitten racket, did my PT and threw some putts. And that span of disc golf at the U.S. Championship for Women in Burlington was the most rounds I had played since 2022 in the fall. So I kicked off the season in January throwing like 940, 950 golf. That ended after one event and hadn't really touched a disc after that. I played one event, injured, struggled, played another, bailed on it, and then won Kansas City right beforehand and then came back and then um, through some great rounds at the championship. And, you know, that was a really well-run event, and I played Sneaky Pete's back in the early 2000s there and had just wonderful memories going in there with all the old players I used to play with, and um, I felt really at ease. Just for a moment, uh, congratulations on all of that. And then for a moment, maybe even expand on the idea that you were there in some of the early days of the event, and now here we are, 337 women, three courses all on one property this particular year. What to, what does that mean to you as someone that's been an integral part of watching this growth and development of disc golf? What does it mean to, to fast forward 20-some 20, 20 years and to see where we're at with that event just a, a week ago or so? I'm just so proud of the women for taking a part of trying to play disc golf. It's such, I think women are in a unique situation and that's kind of where we still always hold that seven to 9% in the PDGA because women come and go. Um, motherhood takes a hold of some women. They come back. Uh, Amy, who won the 55 year olds got Barrett White, who is a stud in our sport into it, but then raised her children and then came back in 155 <laughs> and beat Barrett, who's a powerhouse. So we kind of always fluctuate at that 7 to 9%, but to have us all always come together at the U.S. Women's and to keep topping it year after year after year. I mean, 92 FPO women was bigger than the entire field for maybe the first seven years of the tournament that I played in. So from mm-hmm. 2000, well, it, you can consider 99 and 2000, or then 2000 and 2001 when it originally started. So it's just it's and to have it all at that same place. Um, Burlington, um, Spike Kaiser with Chuck Conley and Tim Barr, the PDGA all knocked it out of the park. I'm actually part of the crew in Austin um, for next year, and they set a high bar for us to um, <laughs> level up on. I really feel like we're going to level it up, but um, woo woo, guys! Yeah, well, it was, it was spectacular. I was going to ask how excited you are to have it a little closer to home in Austin, Texas, being able to maybe maybe get a repeat, some back-to-back action? I don't know. You know, like maybe I'll play a different division because I already bagged that 50, you know? So who knows? I love playing with the larger divisions. Um, I've never really shied away with that. And sometimes that hometown advantage doesn't really mean much. You know, they tend to change courses a lot, and you you don't get to have that hometown advantage that you really <laughs> it um back to the sneaky peak days though it was really beautiful i was sitting there and i was trying i was a solo flyer jay went out and trained uh the whole state of north dakota for teachers and so i was solo which was a little bit different jay usually doesn't accompany me with the u.s women's but i'm with my core group of women and um so i went out to play my first round you know but i was solo so i was gonna hook up with women and it was like crickets out there 344 women and i didn't have a single one at that point in time playing the course where i started so 
played by myself. And then I remembered seeing David Wiggins at 10 crushing drives, you know, out there. I played with Mandy Snodgrass at the time and mm-hmm. she played from my line. We had to look up the rules on the penalty. So I just had a really a longevity of my life in uh, playing disc golf <laughs> in special places and I rolled with it the whole week. Well, it was incredible. And, and you went on to a 10 stroke margin of victory and seven of those were right off the bat. And I guess my only quick thought is, as you said, a couple of titans, a couple of legends of our game, yourself and JK, uh, you know, on paper, just exclusively looking on paper, you, you're a 50-point deficit to her, and we see her playing literally almost every single weekend. We know where her skills are because she's out playing and you've been battling an injury. Do you feel like, uh, is, is upset the right word? Is that, a, is, is that you know, how, how would you describe uh, getting past her both, you know, when the paper shows otherwise ratings, so to that, speak. That's, that's completely accurate. I mean, Juliana has been just smashing it back on tour. I mean, she came back. Um, she's still a powerhouse with all of her skill sets and has proven worth among um, absolutely not. I'm going to say better players, but younger players and younger does sometimes equate as the longevity of rounds go on into more strokes gained. Um so, yeah, I was completely underdog. I mean, it was kind of very similar to 2002 when I snuck up and beat her at that World Championships um, where she was the you know dominant player at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think those points have always resonated with me as an athlete that at any given Sunday, as they say, you can have a winner. So I never underestimate my competition, but I never underestimate myself. Wow. So do you see yourself trying to do some DGPT stuff next year? Well, you know, I had a pro card this year, um, but I wasn't able to exercise it. And the way the competition is, I probably will not be honored another pro card with that, but I will try to get into the events that I can get into and I want to play. There's some great courses. Uh, Northwoods is, I would always love to come play that course. I really enjoy the Sunset Hills and Northwoods, I just think is a spectacular course. So likewise, when I was at the prime of my career, I always picked the courses or the clubs that I wanted to support. And I'm just going to continually do that into my, I mean, I'm already silvered up, so I'm just going to keep riding that. (laughs) 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 So speaking of clubs and support, I know it's also a major undertaking, but what is this next week? What are these next seven or so days, six or seven days? What will the two of you guys be doing now? Uh, you know, and start with you know, maybe playing or not. How give give everybody the update to to get them up to speed. Well, that was a great interlude to Silver because this is the twenty fifth. <laughs> oh yeah, undertaking. Yeah. That was all intentional. Disc golf championship. So I mean. You know, everybody in the disc golf world either is on their way, they're either here, they're on their way, or they're going to be watching. There's just no doubt about it. This has become, you know, one of the pinnacle events of the entire year and what they've built here. Uh, those of us that have been around uh, from the beginning have just watched, uh, you know, by my qual, we both played the qualifier round. Um, you know, we, we actually had, we have got some other obligations and things going on throughout the week, but you know, we're like, hey, if there's a good chance to play this course, now's the time to do it. We get to play it in, in competition conditions, check it out, see what the players are doing, and who knows, you know, maybe catch a falling star and uh, qualify for this thing, and then everybody else is going to have to adjust to the things that we committed to the rest of the week. <laughs> so, you know. We- Kids win again. 
and and whoever whoever was looking at like, well, Jay and Des are supposed to be here. Both of us were in the driver's seat to potentially qualify, coming all the way down the stretch. And you know, hey, we gave it our best shot. Uh, both of us played the course blind. Um, both of us hadn't really even played much disc golf for a while. Uh, we both volunteered and at the U.S. Doubles uh, Championship, so we were out, camping out of Camp Canaan all week. Uh, I did some announcing out there. Uh, we met some of the top up-and-coming players. Uh, the future is bright for disc golf. We got to play that really cool complex in the woods, so not very USDGC. So had a great time in the qualifier, and like I was saying, I was playing with some younger players, and to be able to go around the course, and you know, they were the ones striking up the conversation. Like the couple of them saw like some of the old um, epitaph type type of uh, cement tees in the ground. Like, did this used to be a hole? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, two thousand and two used to tee from here and go over there, and and then they couldn't. You know, someone was lamenting the uh, the walk from you know, 16 to 17, you know, and, and I personally, I, I love it because it's so Harold Duvall. I mean, he's <laughs> such a psychological designer, you know, if he hadn't have, you know, what the, what they didn't know is we used to actually play up that on the left side. It's on mm-hmm. now it's a, a trees and swamp, but it used to be green grass. I was telling him that we used to throw rollers here up to mm-hmm. the bamboo. There was a hole there. Anyway, they couldn't believe that. But that psychological pass, so showing everybody, you know, kind of the history as we were going along was was fantastic. So, unfortunately, uh, you know, both of us fell a little bit short, but we both played the course actually pretty good. I was proud of my play. Um, you know, I played here last in 2018 at 48 years old, and I cashed, which was a pretty, you know, sweet mark all on its own. And I know that I play this course for the six to eight holes that I actually can attack. <laughs> Everything else is stay in bounds, do your thing. And, you know, it's the AJ Carey is eagling holes that I'm like, just be in bounds. Okay. Okay. I got this accomplished. You know, and, and I got tons of compliments. They watched me play hole 11, which now is one of this wild hole. It's always been one of my nemesis. But now it's like a snake. They've got the rocks and the fairway, and you can mm-hmm. only land here and here, and the risk-reward mm-hmm. is just absolutely epic. So here I am playing Mario Brothers, you know, and Frogger, and I'm jumping to safe place, and these guys are throwing all kinds of cool stuff. Is that so the holly hedge hole? That is the uh, – well, the bushes are on the right side. We, yeah. I was Those telling these guys, we used to throw hyzers <laughs> over the park. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, over the over corner there. and the edge up there are past the hollies. Yeah, they're 12 feet tall. So. I threw actually an old shot. I threw it like – 2005, everybody else had these sweet dumps. And so I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And my mind must have went back to 2005 and I threw like straight along the holly path. I mean, I parred easily, but <laughs> I was like, whoops. Nobody's <laughs> mad about a par there. I, that's, I, yeah, almost at any of those holes. But the, but the drive should have been not 2005 drive. Been, <laughs> you probably threw a disc from – oh, probably not. Jay may have thrown a disc from 2005. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, I was telling – I was mentioning to Jay right before we came on uh, on the air how I tuned in for an interview with Kristen Tatar for the tournament uh, preview. And just as I tuned in, there come the, the final card on hole 17. And I was so excited because I was looking at it. I was like, well – AJ Carey doesn't really have a chance. As you said, he was crushing all over, which also comes with, as you know, danger. You know, you could go OB or you could eagle a hole. You got, there were three of you in that card that had a chance to make it into 
the uh, into the event. D- explain exactly what happened then on hole seventeen with your card. Yeah, so uh, Rand and uh, Lada had just played very consistent golf pretty much the whole mm-hmm. time, uh, and myself was included. Although I was always just kind of like just plodding along. Players tend to forget about you know like ah. Hey, Nothing special over there. And then they're like, geez, he beat me by three. How did that just happen? <laughs> so I'm used to that kind of scenario. Um, but, yeah, I, I my game basically came down to I made a monster uh, putt on four, uh, 15 on the elevated Coliseum hole. I saved a great par on 15. And then coming into 16, I you know, that's a tough hole for me to reach. It's 400-plus feet with a really – tight, narrow fairway. I ended up in a hazard. And as soon as I missed that putt, I knew like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be battling from what I thought was I'm going to have to go deuce, deuce to, or birdie, birdie to, to qualify. Randon, um, you know, he's looking a little bit better. All he's got to do is play it safe and, and par par, and he's going to be good to go. He misses the island on 17. Yep. So that all of a sudden got everybody a little bit, you know, you know how that happens. If the first guy makes it, it's like, all right, I saw that line, you know. And so I knew, you know, I'm all right. Here's my history with 17. Uh, I'm not a forehand thrower. I'm one of those old school, you know, Anheuser guys. And I used to always throw either a KCABR or Yetis when they came out. But 2018, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be successful unless I get this forehand in. So I went out there a couple different times by myself and just worked on this forehand. And I birdied it three out of four rounds and I got a par on the what other one. Use? A death running firebird. <gasps> ah, <laughs> wow. Ah. <laughs> Subtle well, plug. Go on. <laughs> 52 and the shoulder's not feeling great for that forehand right now. So I had to commit to the backhand. And I kind of knew I was going to be farting against thunder right there. But, hey, <laughs> I gave it a shot, and, man, it almost made it in. And then once I didn't make it in, I already knew in my head, like, well, that's your USDGC. And I kind of, uh, you know, but, oh, yeah, I still got to play. And, of course, you know, then the 17 happens, right? It's like, all right, I'm going to readjust from what I just did. I purposely why you don't throw the backhand in a putter is because there's a low hanging branch that's purposely <laughs> left there to prevent the trajectory that you need. Yep. And I hit that, fell down, hit that, fell down. You can watch the film. It wasn't pretty, but mm. anyway, you know, I finished with a par on the very tough uh, par, uh, 18. So uh, no, no pride lost. I, man, I had such a great time. It was no 21. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, seen some big scores. Yeah. Seen <sighs> other people. Wow. We love you, Rick, out there. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Rick. <laughs> uh, well, and it just goes to show, I mean, I think one of the many takeaways from that story, though, is someone as experienced as you in a position here on Monday qualifying and getting to hole 17, like just 17, dare we say, is always looming, right? No matter what, no matter if you're up by five or you're fighting to get into a, a final spot to get a specific score, 17 is always looming. And uh, may, maybe we give it too much credit in the media perspective, or maybe we don't give it enough respect. But at the end of the day, 17 is always there and you got to get past it, right? So it, it is always there and, and there. and it's a high number hole. And I think that's where it gets the... Yeah, gets that level of cautiousness because in the end, USDGC really almost all of those holes have some kind of situation like that. And I'll take us to hole nine 
Uh, hole nine is the Winthrop clubhouse hole. It is absolutely scorable position for, for anybody playing in this tournament. Mm-hmm. However, a guy that medium arm speed, it is uh, 360 and slightly uphill. So I'm watching uh, other guys are just kind of putting it right in there. I've got to flex something hard. I just missed it. That hole, two, 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 four. So mm-hmm. there's two strokes in the field right there, and that can happen on every given hole. So mm-hmm. you, you're you're right, Terry. I mean, 17 gets this illusion of being like the absolute round wrecker, but they're out there all over the place. And sure. it's, uh, if you fall into a pit on five, you've got the rest of the course to make up for it. You fall into the pit on 17, and it's, <laughs> it's... hope you got another round tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and I think the championship really sets itself up with – the different rules. So you always have to be a thinking athlete when you're out there because not every hole is played like the normal UOB that we have. Mm-hmm. So um, what I had to read along every single hole, which is taxing, you know, as you're trying to play along. Mm-hmm. We had just played a hole that was all hazards, and then I stepped up to the next hole, and it was a stroke and distance OB mm-hmm. or go to the drop zone. The drop zone was behind me, you know, so those are big penalties, you know. So you have to really know – how much you're going to cheat that corner or pinch off to what that actual hazard to OB to penalty stroke might cost you if you miss. And, uh, you know, those are big numbers that you can have. That stroke and distance, that was a double that when I executed the second shot was should have been just an easy par, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no problem getting up and down, but the damage was done when I already threw stroke and distance. Yeah, and for a moment I was going to say you need to you need to be smart to know all the rules because they're always changing and they're different on any, any given hole out there. And then I was just going to take that right to like, they should have a class that they offer at Winthrop as a, uh, as teaching, teaching USDGC for the week or some, some little uh, two week class that you can take out there, get a certificate that says, okay, I think I understand the caddy book this year. And then you'd probably have to take it every single year because it keeps changing. So you guys, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you guys had those experiences. Well, what that means though is maybe your initial plans for the week are still intact, and so let's let's lead into what that means and what uh, what that's going to look like for you guys this week. Well, it's it's really an action packed schedule for everybody, and the opening ceremonies uh, that are going to happen uh, tomorrow are going to be spectacular. There's a Hall of Fame induction. Uh, we're gonna put a ring on a, a young kid whose career is just starting. Uh, so that's really excited with Gannon Burr. And, uh, yeah, the whole week's going to be uh, fabulous. And uh, that'll kind of kick us into what we're doing on Thursday and Friday. We've got the Edge Village, which is a tradition of the United States Disc Golf mm-hmm. Championship, uh, what we do there. And we're in full effect now that uh, people are coming in. Uh, we're, we had to almost turn some folks away this time for – We've got 300 plus kids Thursday, Friday coming in, being bussed in. Uh, we've got an activation team. So everyone's going to go through different stations. They're going to get the uh, hands on, do some activities, get jazzed about disc golf. Then they take a sack lunch. They go over and they can watch some of the top players in the world. Uh, our amazing story from last year was we had just got done with a, a group. They got their sandwiches. They all lined up along Sevens Fairway. And literally first bite of their sandwich, they got to watch Drew Gibson uh, throw an ace. <laughs> yeah. So the teacher told me the next week, like, 
they have not stopped talking about this yet. So can we oh, get our equipment already? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's phenomenal. I remember last, I think it was last year, we got to see them, uh, a bunch of kids lined up on, I believe it was 16 as well, kind of circling the green. And, and it's just such a great uh, visual for our sport. Yeah. Having, I mean, not just spectators, as we all love, but just the kids, just young kids lining our fairways it's yeah, it really is phenomenal yeah just their eyes and yeah, just <laughs> their amazement and their pure raw joy and excitement i'm gonna say dear it, it feels almost even a little finland like when you're over there uh participating and you see so many young uh you know eyeballs coming in when you're in another country like finland where we know they're bringing them nice young and early so you guys have that going on how, how does a school, how do you guys reach out? Uh, I mean, cause is there a, is there almost like a waiting list of schools that are getting involved or is it, is it every year it's a, it's a select few teachers in the area? How far are these people coming from? Like, how does, how does that whole process unfold? So that's a great question, Terry. Uh, one of the really cool things that we saw in the commercial there that uh, we got the, the unveiling here of a smash box. So that'll be played here for the, uh, event itself. And if you saw uh, some of the big stars drop in, uh, Edge is actually celebrating 20 years of introducing disc golf to youth. And some of those anchored stars, which one is in Wisconsin, I think that represents a little bit of the work that you did early on there, Terry. But uh, those are some of our first Edge schools and areas that really grabbed onto the program. And of course, right here, it was pretty easy because of the um, proximity to uh, Innova Champion and Winthrop University and the USDGC. So there are, uh, I'm, I don't want to misquote it, but there are at least a dozen campuses within 30 miles of Rock Hill that actually have nine whole courses on their campuses. So that does lead to the schools want to come back every year and we have to be like, well, let's, we're going to try to get some new schools in, but if they fall through, we're definitely going to have you back. And so <laughs> it's really a great thing because uh, we now have some schools uh, in the smaller academies and things. We've had uh, vans of kids come in from over an hour and a half away. Um, otherwise the USDGC and our great partnership with them, which I'm going to give them a huge charitable plug after this year is completed um, I don't have all the exact numbers, but I have them from just a couple years ago. The United States Disc Golf Champion, guys, has donated over half a million dollars to charity. And I'm proud to say that the Edge has been a benefactor of a huge chunk of that, but also Throw Pink, Rolling Thunder, mm -hmm. local York County, you name it. Um, the, the United States Disc Golf Championship has an outreach to the community that is beyond what we see just on the campus. And so they pay for buses. So the schools, all they have to do is get the administrators to say, you betcha, take a half a day off and get the parents to sign off. And we've got, up, you know, uh, buses full of kids that are going to be showing up. So. So it is a little bit of both where people reach out and want to be included. We do reach out to the schools that have good programs and, you know, have that reoccurring theme and then, big interest of its clubs. Um, we just met with Cherry Hill teachers who was really excited. Uh, they have a half day on Friday and made it a point to make sure they were able to book on Thursday because they couldn't have made the bus schedule work for Friday. So they didn't want to miss the opportunity to be able to experience the USGDC, the Edge Village, 
um, and made a special point to make sure that they had their kids here on Thursday. Their teacher actually played U.S. doubles. That's where it was. I could remember. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We've got so much stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and just just back up, and everyone process that for a moment. We have schools that are effectively planning their their bus schedules and their half days and their curriculum and their entire you know week of planning based around bringing kids to one of our you know our sports most elite events and experiences, and I just. That has to give everybody like some some good warm fuzzies to think about what that means for disc golf, what that means for you know Rock Hill and Winthrop, but then also Edge and just the overall experience. Again, teachers rearranging a weekly schedule so that they could be part of the USDGC and and in turn part of Edge, like that's pretty damn cool. It is. And, and that's why we really are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the USDDC. They have taken the tournament experience and elevated it 25 years ago. I mean, we all, I started playing in 2002. I played the championship and it was by far the best event I had ever played. It surpassed all the worlds that I played, whether it be from the experience, the tournament, how you felt as a professional player, your players packages. So them being involved with Edge, Throw Pink, and just bringing the tournament scene up. Everything that we're seeing right now with the Pro Tour and the PDJ leveling up their their tournaments is specifically a base note from the U.S. Championship that they did that 25 years ago. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that, that USCGC was one of the first ones that have like actual an announcer in tea times. You had a whole players area for food. You had, you know, people shuttling you from the uh, the pra- the practice area up to the lead card. You had this this ginormous um, uh, uh, store with all USDGC. It was the really the first event. I mean, we'd had worlds like that. They had fly marts and they had, you know, but even the worlds back then didn't really have tea times. It was always, no, yeah. They didn't celebrate that player, you know, mm-hmm. and then I think that's really what elevates disc golf now is the disc golf pro tour. We're starting to elevate the professional player, which elevates our sport. You know, for a while we were such a base note with the let's volunteer, let's all just work together, which is still what we have to do to keep our sport going. But when we've taken our high profile athletes and actually made them high profile athletes, we have those children that come to the U.S. Championship in the Edge Village, and they are like, wow, this is a pro sport, uh, not unlike baseball and basketball and football and all the other you know, standard sports that we think of. So I think that's where the championship really did just nail it and was an uh, innovator in that sense. Yeah, and then we look even at our our reigning champion right now, who wasn't even born when you know the USDGC had started, and right. uh, of course was playing disc golf in school, and had so many of those uh, you know people to look up to and those inspirations throughout all the years. So we, you just touched on another good point. Speaking of volunteerism and and then everything it takes to have this event run the way it does, and we continue to see it ramp up. We also see. You know, something I want to applaud is some diversity and some overall inclusion when I look at, if we would have looked back 10 years ago and said, oh yeah, there's going to be a, a Discraft trailer there releasing special discs, <laughs> like we would have all laughed at that. I mean, just blatantly, we would have laughed at it that there was in no world where that was going to happen. The closest I remember seeing is, I, I even I was surprised a couple of years ago when 
we started seeing other discs in the players package. Like, oh, there's a sure. legacy disc. Yeah, there's sure. like that was the start, but you were starting to see obviously because it's a, a, a PDGA major, the sport is opening up. Well, and and you know, we know obviously what Innova has done and, and the yeah. you know shareholders that they are, but I love to see that they have, you know, gone beyond just the opportunities that they've created for themselves and now it's more accepting. But before this this week continues you guys talk to us about the U.S. doubles and and what I'll, I'll say madness in a good way. <laughs> like what was that all about? You guys were there firsthand for it. Well, I'll let Jake kind of talk about that, but I want to tell everyone to play Camp Cannon. Um, what Cayman. about Cayman? Cannon? I would say Cannon. Yes, I know There's how to spell it, but I don't know how to say it, um, <laughs> which is weird because I'm a terrible speller. Um, it's a great course, you know, so I think okay. it falls off people's radars. You can play it on the weekends. It's a fantastic camp if you have a family in the area to check out. But the course itself was spectacular, wooded, beautiful fairways. I just really enjoyed being able to play a new uh, course and help out a new event that we hadn't been to before. I mean, I think that was my main draw to go there. It's a place I hadn't been and a tournament that I hadn't volunteered at. So both of those things kind of always check off lists for me. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, I think this event and this concept, you know, doubles has been around and, uh, you know, talking to a four time doubles world champion here uh, and Kevin McCoy and Des and Stokely and and all of us in the doubles realm can say, you know what, it's not singles, but it's a heck of an event. And the fact that the PDJ still hasn't recognized doubles, even though we've played in all these sanctioned events, right? I think it's a matter of catching up with records and all these things. But doubles, uh, you know, does count, and it's an incredible format. Uh, talk about testing a bond between a buddy and a buddy, <laughs> or a husband and a wife, and a wife, and or a an wife. ex buddy and an ex wife, or an ex, yeah, or a, or a couple <laughs> exactly. of ex buddies, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. We had multiple brothers, including two brothers from Oklahoma okay. uh, that came all the way, and they, they did it. We had a father-son that actually made the cut, and they I think they cashed. Uh, okay. they, they were doing great together. Um, so lots of storylines in there. They had 4,000 uh, competitors, uh, teams, compete in the qualifiers this year. So if you think about that, uh, and it's still a very regional event, they did have folks finally coming in from Maine and Colorado and Oklahoma, but uh, I think this is something that's going to continue to grow and it's going to be tougher and tougher to qualify as we go forward. The women's field was really what impressed me uh, because uh, I don't know it off the hand, but they blew a record away and they had a full morning pool of just women. So that was pretty spectacular all by itself. Um, talk about the new generation coming in. Um, you know, that was, uh, good, good to see. And we had, uh, you know, Jake Mons, uh, little brother, mm-hmm. he, him, and, him and his partner ended up kind of running away with it. And not that it was a surprise, but he's considerably younger than Jake, or at least it looked like, I guess I can't confirm that. Can you guys confirm <laughs> that? So, Obviously, I think that he family, is. Yeah, I think he's a little bit younger. That family yeah. is very wealthy and skilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, doubles yeah. for speaking on women is a great format to get women involved. Um, I yeah. met quite a few women that that was their first event, and it was a nice way for them to be introduced into the tournament scene. And so it is a great bridge for women doubles events. So I encourage tournament directors to take an opportunity to throw some doubles events, whether it be mixed doubles or, you know, divisional doubles. Um, it really does make a difference in the women's scene. 
Yeah, and I'll they add on to that. Yes. Uh, just real quick, the only thing I'd add on to that is just also know your a little bit of the geography and uh, and cultural norms. Uh, and I only say that because I had the honor of going to Estonia uh, last month, and I had talked to them about let's do kind of this mixed uh, random draw doubles. Let's do random draw doubles leading into the event. They already had a sold out event. This is going to be a lot of fun, kind of a mixture and everyone to have a good time. And we kind of settled on that. And then a day or so later, uh, the, the gracious TD reached back out and said, actually, after some further thinking and more conversation, uh, that doesn't sound as appealing to a lot of Estonians. And th- we'd love to have doubles, but let's have it be bring your own partner doubles. And because yeah. mixing and, and socializing isn't uh, necessarily regarded the same as it can be for some of us in the U.S. And so we made it a bring your own partner and everybody seemed to have a good time. <laughs> if they didn't, then it was definitely on their own fault. But uh, so th- that, that would be my only caveat to add in there that know your, you know, m- maybe people don't want to be forced into meeting a stranger. And that's fine. Know too. your region. <laughs> know um, your region. I that too when I was working with the Australian uh, for Edge and we were, uh-huh. gosh, we, we did tons. And I said, go shag your discs. Um, <laughs> yeah, over there either. So luckily, yeah, it was all these... girls that point time, and I just got a lot of. <laughs> was like, <laughs> That's a courtesy violation over here, Des. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is this weird American telling us? <laughs> they do it differently in the states, I guess. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> but you're right, and it's funny because I remember thinking to myself, and is there a more other than some kind of singles, is there any more popular format of disc golf in all of the U.S. besides like random draw doubles? Is there no. any other format that's more popular than that? Than you know, besides singles, right? Like that's what we do: flip doubles, draw cards, poker chips, whatever. But it's random. Maybe an A pool, B pool, but for the most part, we play random draw doubles. Well. Not all I countries random, are down with that. <laughs> I, I play random draw doubles with uh, Circle's Edge and Robzilla out of Deep, Deep Creek Dreams course, which was great too, private place. Go check it out uh, right after the U.S. Women's Championship. And we just did a random flip. Um, my team, I got actually paired with Michelle Green, and we ah. were the oldest team out there. And uh, we won the first skins, but that was about it. Um, and Holly and Rebecca just smashed all of us. But it was a good time, and we all just laid it out there on a flip. You know, absolutely. So yes, yes, that uh, I agree. Though it's it is such a it can be such a warm, welcoming environment to uh, foster more women to come out and play, and then feel. Uh, yeah, comfortable out there in a competitive format, semi-competitive at least. All right, so doubles goes down. Now, one of the things we've been doing for the last few years is is attach some type of birdies and fundraisers and eagles and things of that nature. Is is that on the table this year, or, or do you guys have a different strategy? Yeah, it's a, that became just a little bit complicated. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, we didn't do that last year, and we just kind of continued on to – um, you know, just trying to button. get the word Donate. out there and, you know, fo- folks know how to find the website and, uh, luckily, uh, you know, PayPal is such a beautiful thing and donate at edgediscgolf.org. In fact, here I'll list, can we do a first giveaway here or kind of a, 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 a 
tag along a teaser giveaway? I guess. God, these guys show up with show notes, and then they want to have extra giveaways. Who invited them? Jeez. Okay, fine. Fine. We'll have an extra giveaway or two because of you guys. What do you got? We're going to make them earn it, I guess. We're going to make them earn it. It's going to, you know, make a little donation. All right. So here it is. I'll show you what you're going to win. This is donations at edgediscolf.org. PayPal. Easy enough. But, uh, Tina and Eric at Whale Sacks, they allow their players to donate a number of sacks to a charity of their choice. So Edge inherited a bunch of beautiful whale sacks. So we've been including those in our tournament charity program packages. Thank you, Missy Gannon and Rebecca Cox. You get a a whale sack. We've got this cool knee ground bound. This is a father-daughter out of Austin, Texas. Put your knee on it. Don't put it in the dirt, the ivy, the glass, things like that. Terry talked about how cool it is for other manufacturers to be involved with uh, the USDGC. How cool is it that other manufacturers are getting involved with Edge? I mean, Discraft is the last couple years has put together some beautiful lightweight discs for us. They've also done some fundraisers. This is a full color buzz. Birdies are indeed better. Prodigy Discs has donated uh, uh, 600 discs the last couple years. We in turn uh, turn those into uh, appropriate packages for the different groups and things like that. There's room for MVP. All dynamic. All di- manufacturing. Come on. <laughs> so you, we're going to give away all of that. And this is probably the grandy here. Every year, our U.S. and Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Champions mm-hmm. are gracious enough to spend a little time signing a beautiful disc. And this is last year's. Miss, we got Katrina Allen who won the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship, and we have Gannon Burr's very first of probably many majors. So that's a collector's item all by itself. We're gonna just hey throw that PayPal in. Every five dollars is gonna get you a little drawing thing. We'll tag uh, Smashbox and we'll give this entire package to some lucky Smashbox viewer. This is available Sorry, yeah. for you guys. Nobody else knows about this, so. Yeah, we'll take a look at uh, okay, how about fine. the end of the USDGC. We'll put those all together and uh, see us on our Edge uh, socials at Educational Disc Golf for Instagram and at Edge Disc Golf for Facebook. Cool? I love it. Okay, I was just putting it in the notes here. Uh, donations at edgediscgolf.com. That's no, dot org. Dot org. I'm sorry. I, I'm, you wrote it right. I, I wrote it correctly it wrong. and then said it wrong. <laughs> it, uh, it's, but it's, that is, yeah, if, yep. you put, if you put calm, it goes to Elon Musk and he doesn't. Uh, okay. Need it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So donations Light at edgediscolf.org. And I put it in this, in the chat right now. It's on uh, the screen as well. It's on the screen, awesome. but Thanks, just want to make sure that everybody sees it. And then uh, I'm going to do my best to put it out there a couple times this week as well. Maybe I'll do some uh, nightly shows and hopefully we can get a few more people to jump in on it. So. And, there it and is. I'll just everyone. follow up. Since you hit on this, Terry. The last plug I'll give on just ways people can help. Anybody that runs an event can hook up with what we call the tournament charity program. Uh, we've worked with over 350 PDGA and non-sanctioned events this year. We already have brought in $45,000. Last year we hit the 60,000 mark, and I think we're going to blast past this at the end of the year. But this money stays in the state that the tournament happens in. Mm-hmm. So we just had a. Uh, the um, Rochester uh, AFDO, the Flying mm-hmm. Disc Open for Jim Palmieri, they just today submitted their uh, submission for 
$3,200 just from that event, which is impeccable timing because New York all of a sudden has just blossomed for youth disc golf. And we've already uh, granted out partially funded 11 packages for New York schools just this year. So the, the kitty ran dry and now it's filled back up. So that's how that program works. The National Amateur Disc Golf Tour, I got to give them a big plug too because they donate over $10,000 a year. Um, we have multiple groups uh, uh, that, that are involved in that. So thanks to the Pro Tour for being involved in that as well. They called their end of it the Community Connect Edge Grants. Yeah. And so via the Pro Tour, we leave a package somewhere in the near vicinity of each event that the Pro Tour happens uh, throughout. So lots of cool ways. Every time you guys send some money in, if you put a little uh, tag on there, I'd like this to go to New Jersey or to Connecticut or California or Wisconsin, uh, we'll make it happen and put it in that account that we have for each state. So thanks for letting me uh, platform that. Uh, of course, like that that's what we're here for, and I can't think of a better <laughs> more appropriate thing to possibly uh push out there and platform uh and I think that is such a great distinction because some people and this could be maybe all over the place when it comes to any charitable contribution, yeah, right, you may yeah. sometimes lose excitement when you're like yes i I love the idea of supporting a charity or a cause, but it may go to some random area or have really no bearing or impact locally and you guys are addressing just that and saying hey when you donate within a state and you you declare that state in which you are are looking to benefit or it comes from an event in that state that's where it's going to stay and continue to get utilized and i love that and then one other thing that you guys had been doing for a few years and i want to just double check still through amazon people uh amazon and ebay can people still also make contributions directly there well, unfortunately, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give we gave Elon an elbow. We'll give yep. Jeff Bezos the other elbow. <laughs> okay. you right to Jeff. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Amazon disbanded the uh, Amazon Smile program itself. Okay. So that is uh, has ended. Uh, eBay still does have uh, a good program there. So every time you do go on eBay, you can decide a charity. You can pick Edge. You can say five, ten, fifty, a hundred percent of these proceeds. Uh, go to your charity of choice on that end. So that's a good way uh, as as well to to just okay. donate on a fairly regular basis. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we can get all these things clarified as things continue to shift year after year. But it's uh, that's crazy that they disbanded that because I I feel like there was a ton of people. Maybe that's just it. Too many people were giving to charities, and somehow Bezos was like, "Oh no, I I can't afford oh. another jet this week if 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 we <laughs> let them do that." Mm. What's what's half a percent times twenty five million? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> uh, now, you guys have written for you know various magazines and blogs and 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 vlogged yourself and everything else. And there's always an update when it comes to the local scene, hospitality, food, and everything else. Is there something I should know about that's going on in the Carolinas? Is there some? food of choice or, or something else in the Carolinas that's that should be on my radar? Don't get me in trouble about Carolina barbecue. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, we won't send you there, but are you saying my cheeks are looking a little more plump than normal? I mean, you got to be talking about biscuits, right? I, I, I mean, am, am I? That's the question. Is this something that I should be more – I'm not like much it. of a biscuit guy. I, I, I don't know if there's – A, it's a direct biscuit, Biscuits and gravy. It's good. Yeah. Nah. 
I'm more of a croissant yeah. guy if I'm I mean, going morning stuff. But you're you're telling me biscuits? I'm good with both. I but about you, <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a croissant guy. Mm. Croissant. Mm. <laughs> He's one of those. I'll, I'll take my. I'll take a croissant as well, but a, a good biscuit, a good buttery biscuit. Uh, all right, nice do you, and flaky. Do you guys have the biscuit mm. lowdown that you need to share with us? I would have totally already called Johnny B as a biscotti guy for sure. I already. I was so on that. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> no. Sorry. I, I have yeah. I have been biscuit I have been biscuiting more than I probably should and I mean it, it happens right I mean for years and years and years in fact Nature Boy Billy Crump I, I remember uh-huh. the first time we came into the Carolinas and he could not stop talking about this Cajun flea biscuit you got to have it. it's going to change your life and it was pretty earth shaking I got to admit and so every year of course you know Bojangles everybody knows about Bojangles and they do some great breakfasts and I mean. Eight mm-hmm. bucks, you're filled, biscuits, wow. Well, we found another place up kind of by Burlington, and it's around. It's called Biscuitville. Damn. And these guys actually, Biscuitville. It's an entire it's village. Chain. It's an entire village <laughs> that makes biscuits. Thanks, Players Package. <laughs> it's so hilarious. I, I can't wait to post. I got to get back home so I can find my favorite tortilla place because literally, you know, in, in Texas we have, you know, they're making homemade tortillas right in front of mm-hmm. you behind the glass as you're ordering. Well, Biscuitville, they're pounding out <laughs> buttermilk biscuits and powder flavor all over. They got the mirror you can look, you know, and see how they do mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's bizarre. But it's all locally uh, sourced ingredients from North Carolina and South Carolina. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we thought that was the pinnacle. And then we saw this place called Maple Street Biscuits. We found out that there's actually 60 of these around, too, but I'd never even seen it. But we went into this place, and oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> good biscuits, too, like, you know, like, and then see it. Like, it was it was wild. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I lotted to the $8 breakfast, right? So Bojangles, $8, Biscuitville, probably 12 now we're talking about a twenty dollar bill here. Damn, and that's a Jackson that's a, for some biscuits. That's, that's a fancy breakfast. That's a fancy for flour. <laughs> <laughs> for flour, for modified flour, yeah. We did get some fried green tomatoes, but you know, you are in the south. You got to do that. But I mean, I'm going to just throw those names out there. You know, okay. you can take the ride yourself. But Maple Street Biscuits ended up. We talked to their uh, uh, their store manager. And we found out, like, actually how charity-driven these guys are. So they've invited, hey, I'm letting the Carolina crews all know about this. They want you to come in and connect with them. They said, we know what? A bunch of us play disc golf already. I'm in the management meetings. They're looking for biscuit partners. Yep, they support (laughs) boys and girls clubs and everything else in communities. So it's a good company. I am seeing a, a Maple Street Biscuit Company. I am seeing just south of uh, south of downtown Charlotte, as I'm I'm doing. I'm so between Charlotte and Rock Hill, maybe. Uh, Yeah, it's just basically south of the city of downtown. I think there's a few of them around. I think we hit one up by the Charlotte Speedway, but he said there were sixty. So I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you think it wouldn't be a hard time finding one then? So. I don't know. That might have to that might have to get punched into a GPS uh, in the next few days. 
The Maple mm-hmm. Street Biscuit I mean, Company. You could make a little detour tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And I'm. Am I seeing waffles on the front of the page too? In case I'm oh, not a biscuit yeah. guy. Oh yes. It's all breakfast. It looks like. It looks like some eggs in there. Maple sausage yes. meatballs. They make all their own jams. Yeah, all their oh, own sauces yummy. and stuff. They had yeah. a. Uh, they had a berry honey glaze. No, blueberry maple. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm going to do some more digging around, but yes, I am seeing uh, lots of information here. Oh wow! Only open till three p.m. on weekends. All the community stores. Okay, so you guys heard it here first. I, I don't know. Is there a higher recommendation than a than a foodie review from you two? I mean, does it get any better? Maybe, I don't know. Can you? Yes. <laughs> can you remember a time I skipped a meal? okay okay so maple street biscuit company uh i'm gonna have i'm surprised we don't have anybody chiming in from charlotte just yet going uh berserk over this alfred says ah waffle hogs something tells me their mamas mamas won't let them go get biscuits out of the house Uh, all right, guys. So, uh, big week, you guys. Uh, thank you. Also, I, I guess it's an hour later there already. Uh, right. So, big week for you guys. Uh, any any other wild or bold predictions? Here we are celebrating the twenty fifth. I don't necessarily need a winner's name, but any other big bold uh, predictions or maybe any foreshadowing that will all make sense later? Because you guys know some secrets. Anything else you got for us? I'm going to say a first-time surprise winner, as much as I'd really love to see Gannon repeat because that okay. would be awesome. I'm a big fan of his. I've known him since he was a little kid. I think we're going to see a surprise on the men's side. And my prediction on the women's side, as much as I want to see a surprise there, <laughs> and she's just going to keep on running. I mean, Somebody, she's engaged she's, now, living high. Yeah. yeah. I know she's locked has, and loaded. Someone saw I, I saw a post. She she's got all the golds and now she's got the silver. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not taking credit for that. I don't know where I saw it, but uh, On the silver anniversary of the USDGC. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. all. It there's all. A, there's a lot of silver going on. Somehow so, it aligns. So Jay, you said first time winner. Do you think it's a first time major winner or just a first time USDGC winner? Yep, I I kind of did start to I I was trying to put a name on that earlier and I couldn't, but uh, I just I have a feeling I think it's a first time major winner. Okay, okay. I was gonna follow up and say, do you feel like even though maybe a first time major winner, more of a veteran of the game or a newer player in the game? Chris Clemens. Ooh, this is a, I mean we all know this is a lefty friendly course yeah. or forehand yeah, friendly. Yeah, no lefties ever won. Yeah, yeah no lefty is a. No, but we've had a bunch of forehand friendly. I mean, we've had Germ and Sexton both win this. Uh, I mean, I I just and he's always performed well here. I mean, I don't say always, but he's performed well. I'm going to call for a breakout. Chris Clemens, if if, I like it. I like it, too. I mean, that's just just okay. That's my that's my stretch. That's my long shot. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Everyone needs a stretch. I'm going to study the list and I'll defer to later. (laughs) <laughs> i'll let you know sunday afternoon yeah. that'd be a cop out we are again not to not to you know we got a little wood to knock on or a little uh fingers to keep crossed but last time i looked 
weather looks pretty good for the week. Is that what we uh, are that we're agreeing on? Like it mid to low eighties, sunshine for most of the maybe, week, right? Maybe cold on Sunday. Okay. Well, uh, cold. Cold, cold define, weather, yeah, yeah so cold, cold is, is yeah, define, sub, you, subjective. You, you've to lived in Texas and uh, <laughs> uh, Iowa, so define cold for us. <laughs> but I think it's going to go from 80, 84 yeah. to all of a sudden like 67. So okay. they might, mm-hmm. you know, 65, it might kind of do something. But, you know, it's typical though. Well, here's the thing is everybody sits on their hands and kind of pins out this first tea time because it's crucial. Uh, morning. Rock Hill, this time of year, you're guaranteed to be in the dew patrol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the course plays completely different wet than it does mm-hmm. when it's dry. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge factor. Benefit, probably don't have the wind. If you have a mid-tee time, you're almost guaranteed to get w- what we call the inflow. Even though it's in inward coastal, that inward flow of the wind always comes in about 11 o'clock to about one o'clock. So if you're in that window, depending on the hole, you're going to deal with that. And then of course, those late afternoon guys, you get pulled that you might start out with a little bit of that breeze, but you're almost guaranteed the most beautiful disc golf to finish with (laughs) uh, as the sun is starting to set. It's, it's always very pleasant for earning that spot, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we're going to see all week. Yeah. I'm going to chime in just on Saturday because I am supporting Throw Pink. Um, I'm also working with Throw Pink and Sarah Nicholson. Uh, I will be one of the guest instructors on thir- wait on Saturday, October 7th, our anniversary at 1.30. Anyone can register on Disc Golf Scene. It is uh, $30, $15 for juniors, but you get hands-on instructions from the top pros that are available at the Throw Pink Championship. We will be giving out lots of um, players packs to go along with that. You're supporting a good cause. You're going to be able to see the action at the Winthrop with your registration. So come and support Throw Pink. If you are already there, they will have a Throw Pink tent. So please stop by um, in honor cancer survivors or ones that you have lost to cancer. It's a great cause. Um, I highly suggest all women come out. It's a very friendly activity. No pressure, no disc golf. It's hands-on. It's fun. We're going to be talking about women's health and supporting women in disc golf. So please come out on Saturday. Again, disc golf scene, throw pink, and the throw pink championship clinic. Love it. It's going to be a good time. I've been doing it for quite a few years. I really enjoy it. Awesome. And we see Sarah Nicholson out on the board. Sarah, we know, uh, often tunes in week after week. So uh, everything we can do to help support anything that Sarah's wor- uh, been working on or involved with. Uh, we're Artist looking so. woman in the show business right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my last question then for you guys, kind of along the lines of just the experience in the week is, you know, we're seeing USDGC really embrace this atmosphere, the culture, the the vendor village, edge village, everything else that's taking place. What are some of the things that you've been noticing or maybe most excited about with kind of the whole development of that entire area? I mean, there's there's rental. Music. Uh, yeah, there's music and rental uh, canopies and tents and, and big talks, screen TVs. Ta- talk to us about it. Yeah, I know on uh, – so the music is definitely – I mean, if, if, you, <laughs> if you don't uh, take my recommendations of uh, food <laughs> – I've been a music head all my life, and uh, the lineup that uh, 
DJ Heck Yeah and JP and the crew have put together this year is actually top notch. I mean, like festival quality. The four bands that are playing each night is going to feature uh, after right after the last putt drops as all the fans are coming back around the lake. The main stage is going to have uh, two regional and two national acts. And they're all got their own kind of cool vibe to them. Um, you know, I think everybody's going to have a chance to, to, to stop by and check them out as well as the, the vendors here. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're sweating right now. I stopped by out there and they're, they're still trying to figure out like, wow, how, we're going to stick. How, where are we going to put, oh, but they have, and this is one of a kind and like, what? So the vendor village is going to be just absolutely nuts. Lots of special releases, lots of arts and crafts, yeah. um, that type of thing. Uh, there's a long distance contest that's going to happen. Of course, they had to qualify for that, so that's going to be incredible. I think all of the qualifiers and the men were right in there at that 600 uh, mark. I heard Eliezera through 550, or I don't know. It got out on the word when we were who playing the qualifier. This? Her arm speed was 77. Uh, you know, who, yeah. I don't know. She is she the, she's the 15 year old. 1516, yeah, oh like maybe best at 500. Again, we were playing qualifier, so it was one of those like just going around the lake, like, oh my god, did yeah, you hear this? That's, <laughs> she's going to be such and, a force to be reckoned with soon. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's like any young athlete, right? Yeah, it could be like Anna Burr and stick with it. She could like fall out, but right now that potential is all there. I hope uh, she's yeah, driven. out of control. I can't wait to see her play. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I've seen just video clips. Awesome. Excited. Well, I the other also, thing that I know about that I don't have the full details on, but I did see the champ uh, over at the factory yep. and got to catch up with him. It was so good to see Kenny. I tell you what, uh, you know, just to have the legends back with uh, everybody that's got those rings. Uh, we know that Barry's playing. Will Shustrick is playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how cool is that to have a multiple champion come back and hang? Uh, you know, he's not that old, really, but – He's hanging with a whole new group of players that have never even, you know, been in the Will Schuster era. Um, so there is a legend skins match. So this should be spectacular on Friday. You guys can even probably help me out, but uh, Kenny told me he's giving it a go. So he's going to play some skins on Friday. I think Barry's involved with that. Steve Brinster. And who was the rounding out that card? Uh, is it uh, possibly uh, Avery? Maybe mm. no, no, no. It's not Doss because uh, I talked to him. No, I don't know why I was okay. thinking Avery then either. I I don't remember Rinster. I don't remember who else is on that card. It wasn't Felberg. That that would have been my first guess. Oh yeah, that probably makes I, I sense. Think Fel- I think Felby it is. I think it is. Yep, there it is, right there for like that, sure. That to me uh, would make the most sense for yeah. for people, kind of. So. Okay. Yeah, it feels like there's so much going on that it's really almost impossible to consume in it, it consume it, and take it all in. Flag in eighteen on the final day, so we've got edge nice. bullets, throw pink nice. flaggers, yeah, all sorts heck of yeah. stuff. And DJ, heck yeah, as a matter of fact, guys, we're gonna get go. We're gonna let you go. We're gonna wrap up some other news. Not that there's a ton going on in in disc golf other than the pro tour schedule, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, we're gonna have that to talk about, and then excited. It's USDGC week uh, as always. Anytime that's coming up, along with Throw Pink and what that means for all of our competitors, uh, an awesome week. And before we let you go, is there anything else you got for us? 
Smashy hug. Aw, big hug. Yeah, smashy. <laughs> hashtag big hug. Well, uh, I'll get some of those hugs in person tomorrow when I see you. I'll I'll be uh, the proxy for a giant oh, hug as well. So I can I'll, I'll finish with just a, a happy nod to, uh, again, everybody that supported Edge over the years. Uh, the big stats that we're pushing out here for 20 years is we've distributed 150,000 lightweight discs into kids' hands. So, you know, we've been doing some some easy math there with if, if only 20 kids have uh, touched these discs, you know, you can do the math there. And uh, Edge is, is, is impacted three to five million and beyond. Uh, youth and uh, a stat that probably uh, a lot of people didn't know. In fact, I was a little surprised when we actually compiled it, but 267 permanent campus courses have been installed through edge in those wow. 20 years. So Damn. yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Wow. So we're, yeah. Uh, we're still catching a lot of those up. I met Eric Vandenberg hit me <laughs> up uh, many years ago and he was doing a course compilation and he was like, come on, Jay, spill the beans. Where are all these school courses at? <laughs> and I actually had a list of schools that were on the do not call list. Ah, you know, like yeah. they, mm-hmm. they didn't want to be known. Sure. But we have broken that barrier. And what we do is we talk a lot about like when they're looking for funding, we're like, look, Schools are always in need of funding. They want millions of dollars in bonds. What better way to connect with the community than to have a permanent recreational outlet on the campus, safe place for the kids to come and play after school in the summer and invite the community after school hours. Mm -hmm. And even though these little courses are only 120, 160, 220 holes, uh, go out there with your putter and learn some finesse and some putting skills, right? Yeah, Gannon yeah. Burns stole one of his course. He sure did in yeah. Waukee. And this disc is going to be given away by you guys in your after show. Ooh. So I will. It. Thank you. I'll what do we got there? Terry, I'll text Terry and JV the trivia question. Okay. But if you recognize, of course, there's a Yeti mm-hmm. and there's a dinosaur. And I talked about my little brother doing the movie 65 yep. with Adam Driver. You might do some research there. So, <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, uh, we yeah, thank you. And yes, as if they need Marmoset. a reason for the after show, but even a bigger reason now. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Marmoset and I collaborated on that. I'm so happy to work with that guy. He's going to have a booth out here as well as Ben Hopwood and Skeet and all the disc golf artists that you love. Yeah, so, Ben Hopwood and Mint Disc is killing it. Say hi to us if you it. get out here to Rock Hill. If not, watch online. Listen to Terry. You making some? You involved in this? I'll be doing some right? interviews, and maybe we'll. Uh, be, I'll be able to catch up with you for some more content to then get uh, pushed onto DGN. I'll be hanging out around eighteen, uh, kind of uh, just catching up with people to add additional content to the network. So that's what I'll be out there doing. So let's uh, let's get you guys on those mics as well, and and uh, recap even more. And if you want to watch well, it's our six- anniversary on Saturday, happy, so happy, happy anniversary. anniversary. If you want to watch the 65 movie, it's available on Netflix right now. You can stream it, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Get at it. I thought you were going to say if we wanted to watch them on their anniversary, then it would get. Kind no, of it's weird. a little weird and creepy. Everyone is because I'm doing a clinic. Yeah. Come watch so. me on my anniversary. <laughs> I'm going to learn something. <laughs> yeah, there's no after show in that one, though. <laughs> Not I'm going to teach you how to putt like a champion Saturday. Yeah. Let's do it. There we go. <laughs> Guys, we love you. Happy anniversary on Saturday. I'm glad I'll, I'll be out there and seeing you all weekend and starting tomorrow. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the ways you guys have just continued to basically kick ass throughout all these years. 
years and all the things that you've been doing and any and all success that has come for you guys and the entire organization is certainly well-deserved and we appreciate the heck out of you. So thanks for joining us tonight. Right back at you guys. Episode. All right. See you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Love you. Smashbox see forever. See you guys yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> all righty. Yes. Is it, is it amazing? We've known them for almost 25 years. Uh, Yeah. Like, Pretty wild. Yeah. Cr- crashing in your apartment, yep. coming to Wisconsin to tour. Just, we have known them forever and just phenomenal human beings up and down. Somehow they're aging better than us. Are they? Yeah. Come on, look at us. <laughs> no. No, I, 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 I nod to them all the time. Uh, and I'm learning of Maple Street Biscuit Company. It is kind of funny. You go to their site and the, the, the landing page has then a waffle. You would think but would, I'm not going to argue with that. You would think it would have a beautiful biscuit or something, yeah. but uh, either way, if it comes uh, recommended whatever. by Jay, you're you're you know you're getting a, something good. A disservice if you're not going to check it out. So, yes, thank you to Jay and Des for joining us. And like I said, looking forward to seeing them the rest of the weekend. And as you heard in the after show, we already know what a giveaway will entail. All right, let's recap some news and some I'll say basic information and 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 or big information. Since last Tuesday, and it feels like it's been a lot longer than that, maybe because I've been home every day since last Tuesday. That feels weird uh, to me personally. But Wednesday, the day after our podcast, some pretty big news. Like, there's there's no other way to word it. It, it was big news, the announcement of the 2024 Disc Golf Pro Tour schedule was released. Yeah, there's and, some... Wow. There's some changes, most certainly. Um we see that the tour, first and foremost, is going to start out in Florida. We are seeing that what was formerly Throw Down the Mountain for many years will now be called probably the Florida Open. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be, and this is the course that uh, Paul and Dylan purchased, it is going to be the opener for the Pro Tour, other than the All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend's in Orlando. That's going to be probably very similar to what we saw at other All-Star Weekends. But then our first event is in Florida. Yeah, and and just to just immediately quickly touch on the All Star Weekend, it taking place. We've seen it the last couple of years at Push Ridge in Tucson at the very uh, nice Con El Conquistador Resort. God, what is it with these people? I just learn a word and a name, and then they change it on us. So now we're probably maybe going to be involved at some Disney-like property. Was a rumor I heard years ago. I don't know if that's going to be. It could be a local course that just has all the right amenities, or we could see this in a, on some form of a temporary layout. I'm interested to see that. That hasn't really been talked about, and it's not relevant it's, right now. It doesn't really matter. But that's the All-Star Weekend in Orlando. Brooksville is hour and a half-ish. From from mm-hmm. Orlando, just to kind of put that on the map for you as well. Oftentimes, when I go to Brooksville, it's it's a little over an hour if you fl- if you fly into Tampa and drive straight north. If you fly into Orlando, I want to say it's like an hour and a half ish or so uh, to get over there. And Orlando is east, almost directly east, maybe a little south uh, of Brooksville. Brooksville is on the then the more near the west coast of Florida. Just to put that all in perspective for those that care. If you haven't been watching the, the Throw Down the Mountain all these years. Exactly. If not, you should be. If you want to yeah. go get warmed up for Throw Down the Mountain yes. or for the Florida Open, go watch the old Throw Down, uh, Throw Down the Mountains. So after that, we move over to Waco. It's kind of a very familiar tour after that. Uh, Waco, Austin, 
we're in Texas for like a full month, which I know is some people hate personally. If every course looks a little different, I don't care where they are. I don't care if they spend. Yeah. I don't care if they spend. Texas it in, say, is the size of like four other states combined could, anyway. Exactly. So if it was so. split up into different states and the courses look somewhat different, then like the, you said, who? Yeah, really. Who cares? And honestly, it is. Uh, there are some. I think some advantages to what's going on. We see the open at Austin, USWDGC, and Texas State uh, championships. All within a one-month period, Yeah, four basically. consecutive weekends. Now, uh, there was some discussion about, you know, uh, the, the the argument we've had in the past with the majors putting events on either side of them. Now, this USWDGC, as always, is a major. There's an event on either side of it. So, on one hand, I see an argument that says, well, are the women getting the... Respect that they deserve to give themselves enough playing time, practice time for the USW, USWDGC. Thankfully, the tour is in that same city the week before, so that should kind of negate that. But I kind of equate it to a little bit to the European Open in that the European Open, we almost always see bookmarked with events that players can play if they want. If we're going to have... One of the reasons they do that is because when we fly overseas, it's better bang for our buck. Mm-hmm. You can get two or three events in in a three-week period. USWDGC could be seen as the same. If we're going to see a group of European people, uh, preferably women, obviously, but other just Europeans come over to the U.S. to play in a major, why not give them the advantage that the Americans have when they go over to Europe and get... Waco, Austin, USWDGC in a three-week period, just like we get when we go over to Europe. So I see some advantages. I can understand maybe the disadvantages and complaints about bookending it. And we don't know all the details about how many of these events are going to count towards your final ratings. Nobody's forcing anyone to play these events. If you want to take a week off before or after, by all means, you know, you you have every right to do that. No one's going to stop you. Uh, so after the Texas swing, then it's again, very familiar Jonesboro music city, DDO OTB after, well, I'm sorry, after DDO, you kind of swing out to the very short West coast swing that we have. Yeah. You have a two, you have a, a week off in between. Yep. And then you would have OTB, OTB Portland and uh, moving up from a silver event is Beaver state fling. Now, one of the things we don't have to worry about next year, Terry is confusing silver series with silver event. Yes, because they just wiped it out. No more silvers on the platter. Yes, correct. Tatar no has taken platter. all the silver. <laughs> no more silver. Yeah, exactly. So there are no silver events next year. There's no silver series next year. There's going to be something called qualifying events, but I'll say right now, if you don't see it on the schedule, there's a really good chance you're not going to see it live. I don't believe there that there also a likely yeah assumption. Oh. Yeah, and again, I don't know anything this dropped <laughs> just like did for us. Um, after the West Coast swing, come over back to the Midwest with the Preserve, Des Moines, Europe, back here, Ledgestone, Worlds. Um, the one thing about this, that I, the other thing I hear a lot of people, uh, I don't say upset about, is just the, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the back-heavy majors and big events you know we're seeing it right now this is kind of the start this year you've got usdgc and the pro tour finale well next year you're going to have throw in there the players cup as well and Mm -hmm. 
I, I get it. Everybody would love to see a major at the beginning of the season as opposed to the end. This will sort itself out after this year, after next year, so to speak. This is a one, hopefully, a one-time scenario that we're going to have due to the destruction at the IDGC. After that, it will hopefully move back into April, late April or whatever that is, or May, early May, whenever the, the Champions Cup tends to be. Yeah, and, and, and we'll have a more balanced schedule. This is just, again, it sucks. I understand having everything at the end, everything from you've got players that get hurt towards the end of the season to it, fatigue, just, burnout, everything. Oh, everything is, or even just how it feels like the early season. It might maybe a little bit of a slog until you get to the, this very, very contested back end of the season. I get all of that, but just remember, it's temporary. It, it's it has to be that way unless, and I don't think it's going to happen because it's already been announced the PDGA decides they're going to not hold it at the IDGC. He, he, so, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll follow that up yeah. with, with, of course, no prior knowledge and just purely some speculation. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Piggybacking on that idea, I wouldn't bet my house on the Champions Cup in Appling on that weekend either. Okay. I just wouldn't bet my house on it. And and for a multitude of reasons. One, they've got to do a ton of work at the IDGC. And I'm, of course, I'm not there. I haven't been there in a while. They have to do a ton of work to address the issues right now that are going on out there in terms of logging slash uh, the, the beetle infestation. So they have to do work to address that. Then they have to do the work to create a whole new course that is championship caliber and ready to go for November. We're already going to assume that there's some there's going to have to be a shortcut or two that gets taken in terms of uh vetting the the course. Now, they can have leagues, they can have a few smaller tournaments out there. It it is going to feel relatively fresh and blind to most players because it might get done a matter of weeks or months before this event would be had there. All right. So there's just a lot of stuff, and I am not dismissing or second-guessing the sheer capabilities of the people that are involved. Even with all of that said, though, it's still a very, very tall task. And that, this, it, it just is what it is. Even having it at the end of the season is even going to be Even having it at task, the end of the season. Designing a course. If, and- if there is a reasonable, logical, in-line 
practical solution for that to still happen more so in the springtime, maybe as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. kind of in its traditional timing. Now that takes a ton of additional factors. That takes the organizing committee being able to 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 audible that and or to be able to even make a shift at this point. So they have to be on board. The PDGA, all everyone else would have to be on board with it. I get all of that. And I'm not saying it is going to happen. I'm just saying I wouldn't bet my house that it stays there for a lot of the reasons we've been talking about. A lot of people have said, look how this back, this season is backloaded and it feels like I'm, it's really big and it would be just for your one year ideally. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, and I'm not some conspiracy theorist, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if we still see a shift. It's, and there's it's no, just the 1st of October. The, exactly. This could, quote unquote, be a placeholder. This is an Bingo. emergency break glass. If they can't find, and, and I understand if the PDGA doesn't say this out loud, and we have no inside knowledge, I haven't talked to anybody, but they could be working on an earlier season thing. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now, maybe between Music City and DDO. That's the end of April. You could slide one in there. Of course, then you're, you're bookending your major. Sometimes things have to happen. Um, I'm sure there's one or two other weekends you could probably fit it in there, depending on where you put it. Uh, maybe maybe they move it over to the West Coast. That's what I'm saying. Like, and, if, and if, it, it could be literally anywhere next year if they can find the right course within, for, the, right within the right schedule. Uh, yeah, clearly they're not going to put it... Uh, you know, is everyone's moving just to use that time frame between Music City or I'm sorry, Dynamic Disc Open and OTB, which would be Mother's Day weekend in between there. But anyway, if something were to happen just randomly on that weekend or not so randomly. They're not putting it in North Carolina? Yeah, they're not going to put it, you know, the opposite direction of where the OTB is. They will put it somewhere either closer to OTB or closer to Dynamic or on that line between the two it's not going to be wildly off the beaten path and we're not going to find it in Montana. We're not going to Canada for it or whatever. If it were to happen during that weekend, it would be somewhere that would mm-hmm. logistic. It would have to logistically make sense fit into the, the players. Next now year. that kind of follows all everything we just said. I feel like the pro tour has been very vocal and adamant in saying as this, as the schedule came out and we've seen some replies and some details they're trying to listen to the players, yeah. first and foremost. Trying to listen to the feedback that the players have given and have said, we, of course, enjoy our travel, but we need either weekends off and or well, there can only be so much travel, so much practical travel. That's, of course, if you want us playing our best. I mean... <laughs> well, I mean, there are, there are more DGPT events this year, or this upcoming year. Elite level or higher. Correct. And so there's not an emphasis on attending or being involved, obviously, in silver events, seeing how they don't exist. However, uh, yeah, what was the number What was the number in 2023? I guess that's the next question. Of events? Of elite events. Yeah. Elite, elite plus playoff. I mean, you figure all of these M- minus... M- minus Beaver State Fling and uh, Open at Austin. Those those two events were upgraded because okay. the Open at Austin was a silver event last okay. year. So th- this year it's been promoted. So, so technically, two more events in that sense, and none none of them fell and, off. And okay. assume and assume Florida swapped out with LVC. Yeah, which, of course. Yeah. Um, which is a little awkward. Not going to lie. Um, I've I've seen some posts about awkward L- or different. 
awkward okay. for LVC. I've seen some posts that made it kind of seem like LVC got blindsided by this. Um, even as of last week or when this was announced, their website had on there the DGPT tour opener 2024. It it felt a little bit. Uh, I, I don't want communication. I th- I think maybe was. Either someone didn't update the website or there was some lack of communication between the event and the pro tour because the event had their website and I'd looked at it like three practice days. You've got four, three or four uh, playing days. If we're starting on that weekend in Florida, the same weekend that LVC is going on, nobody's going to LVC. Like no, no touring pros will go to LVC, so you won't need all those practice days. You won't need, um, you just you you won't you won't need a lot of that. So I'll be curious to see how LVC is received this year on its 25th anniversary. I believe. Yeah, and here here's what I'll follow that up with and say is like you, I saw on their website they had dates. I don't think it said DGPT opener. It no, just it, had dates. No, it literally said DGPT okay. opener. There, I, I saw there dates. was a big graphic. Okay, I saw dates <laughs> that that read. Uh, of course, as some of you know, I I will likely be participating in a Southeast Asian Asia tour again this year, and then so I'm looking at potential dates and and a return. And I was on the website. It must have been Tuesday night, Monday night or Tuesday night, the day or two before our schedule dropped on Wednesday. And I saw those dates and they were in line with what I expect. Also, as many of you know, I'm usually intimately involved with the memorial, which follows up on the following weekend. And so I'm just starting to think ahead to 2024 myself. And so I had seen the dates that had said the 20, I want to say the 22nd through the 24th or Mm -hmm. 22nd through 25th, whatever it was. And I thought nothing of it. Thought status quo it would likely be the opener of the season and probably the um, All-Star weekend somewhere the weekend before. Again, if we're just going by default, you're going by, or recent uh, recent memory, you're going by Push Ridge at, in Tucson. And they've updated their website since last week. Because yeah, and they had, the, the just dates a few changed. days ago, as of Friday night, they actually released a press, they came out with a press release, the club did, that had essentially said, hey, uh, we're just learning of this communication as of recently, and and we don't know if we're going to keep those dates. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest takeaways at the moment. Sure. They have expressly said, we don't know if we're keeping for sure the dates. They don't know if they want to directly conflict uh, with the tour opener that will take place in Florida. As you just said, mm-hmm. it's going to have a different look to it. They're moving forward. They still have Innova. They still have all these commitments, and they're excited to run a big event. And I think it's going to be a really big, solid event. Yeah, it's going it to is. look different no matter how you cut it, though. There's there's no doubt about that. You're going to have a different player base and clientele that's going to participate simply because it is not kicking off the tour opener. I don't want to say none of our touring pros it will definitely not be the same cast and crew, though, that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll find, I think you and I talked about it right after it was announced, there's going to be more of a regional pro feel to it. You may get some of your players that are really good on the West Coast that dabble in touring or playing in the West Coast but aren't going to go to Florida. So they're still going to remain, you know, keep LVC mm-hmm. on their on their schedule regardless of what weekend it is. 
It's going to have a different feel and vibe. LVC has said, hey, we're going to move forward. We're still excited about the event. As they should. It's and, a great event. And everything's going to keep going. However, um, stay tuned for the dates. And for the for the divisions and the formats and everything else, this is going to open up in some ways, depending on what division you played and what your agenda was in going to that event. In some ways, this is going to wildly benefit you. There's going to be more spots probably. There's going to be more creative things that they can do uh, where they're not going to be as beholden to some of the regulations that are the Disc Golf Pro Tour regulations that mm-hmm. you know certainly focus on your FPO and MPO. So glass half empty, half full, yes, there's a lot of, of, of frustrating probably takeaways and disappointments, and then we could turn around and you could find a ton of things that they're going to benefit from. Let's – hey, Terry. <laughs> yes. Let's kill two birds with one stone. Start some rumors. No, 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 no. Damn it. What if Champions Cup is moved to LVC? There, it's done. Why aren't we getting paid more? uh, And honestly, I'm looking at the schedule. You do it right after DDO. Before before the week before OTB, because you go from DDO down to Vegas, up to OTB. You knock that out. I'm just saying. Innova, PDGA. I mean. I know you guys don't talk much. Champions (laughs) Cup. It's it's a di- it's totally a completely different, different style. I get style it. Style and monster but, but, in terms of like what the event's trying to service. Correct. Because there's not amateurs, for instance, I, like LVC has. I get that. But yes, I mean, it's not the dumbest thing you've ever said. No, there's a lot of dumber things I've said. And probably earlier today. Yes. So the, not the dumbest. No, uh, but here's what I want to do. I don't think practical or it's going to happen, but it's not the dumbest thing I, you've ever I, said. I agree with both of those things, but I'm just saying we could knock two birds out with one stone mm-hmm. and just, you know, push back the champion. And and I understand, like, it, it's a totally different accomplishment. They're trying. It's, it's a different, totally different style of course. You're, you're going from a heavily wooded well, course to, to, to a much more distance-friendly open course sure. at Wild Horse. But ultimately, we originally, the... Champions Cup was supposed to move. It was going to be at IDGC the first year, and then it was going to go up to uh, Michigan at one point, and it was going to kind of, I don't know if it was going to float around, or if it was going to kind, kind of, of stay. Get bid or voted out. Bid or voted on. So I, I'm, I'm just saying, if you want to, you, you, you could do it. You could do a little something. Yeah, and I'm not just but, saying in style, of course, although you're no, right, very but, contrasting. But it, it's overall a agenda. Agenda for what the events vibe, are trying to. Vibe, as the kids would say. Vibe. Are you vibing? Vibe, well, other things about the tour that we're going to talk about real quick. Um, they've moved up to four elite, or I'm sorry, DGPT plus events. Um, Waco is becoming a DGPT plus event as well because it's going to get a second course. It is a... Four-day event. It's a Thursday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. So two courses. One is the standard uh, beast, and the other is, which we heard about it this past year, yep. there's one across the street or something at a like a ball golf course kind of, um, a more open-style course. So we have four DGPT Plus events, um, and then your standard majors. They, they change the point structure, which they do every year, so... I'm not even going to bother with it because guess what? By the time I tell you, it'll probably be different next year. <laughs> uh, and there's nothing mentioned about the European events, the European tour. There's just the European Open talked about. But my guess is that we're going to see something in the next probably two months that has the European schedule for the uh, the European tour. And it's going to probably involve Sula, 
It's going to be over the weekend before European Open, as it usually is, along with other events. So I, I do hope this year that the that the e, that the ET and the EPT can somehow work together so that and they the SWPT <laughs> so that they don't overlap nearly as much because the Europeans deserve that um, to have a good unified tour like we have. So eh, best of, best of luck. So that is your 2024 U.S. schedule and majors. the The only thing, the other thing that people are saying is that the 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 and, and Terry don't need we don't need a rant, but the lack of West Coast events. Mm. We've said it before. If you want more West Coast events, you need tournament directors and tournament staff that can run those. Blah 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 blah. There's all of that. But do you think we're going to see uh, more than a handful of players skip the West Coast tour stops because? You've got two elites and an elite plus event. Now, I don't know if they're going to count. We again, we don't know for sure. Are they going to count all four elite plus events? Are they going to only take three out of four? We don't know any of those details yet. I think that might weigh into it, but that's an expensive swing. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why, almost exclusively why we're seeing not nearly as many events on the West Coast is because of the trek to get over there. And then your costs are more there than any other part of the tour. East Coast uh, can be expensive as well. We know. Uh, However, the West Coast, when you're talking about vans and RV life and and things of that nature, and you're talking about gas and you're talking about lodging and literally all of those things, everything is more expensive and restrictive on a couple of those West Coast events when you're talking about California, Oregon, uh, so on and so forth. And I do think you're going to see a number of players skip those those particular events and just not make that swing, so to speak. Maybe hit some bigger A-tiers in the Midwest. Stay home, hit a few A-tiers, do whatever. A few of them will just flat out take off. Not too many, but some that could afford it uh, will take off. Some of them, maybe that coincides with some some, uh, mini uh, international trip. I doubt it, but maybe. I mean, there's just more opportunities for more things there i think we're going to see a number of people now again it's going to come down to your overall logistics and and your Mm -hmm. your personal pocketbook of can you afford to can you afford the of not gaining any points at that event will that you know harm you in the long run throughout the rest of the season or not someone like a calvin heimberg who i'm not saying is or isn't going out there he probably will but someone like a calvin heimberg let's face it probably could miss those three events and will probably be near the top of the disc golf pro tour standings in 2024. I think as an example, the say worst case, if you're a West coast fan, you might see the players fly in and out of the elite plus event or DG potentially Uh, if depending on how the point structures look, what's included, what isn't, you could see them kind of bounce in and out and just get in there in a week and be out that that could make sense to some people the only the only reason why that's that's a little tougher sell i i think of because so many people specifically love beaver state's courses so then you're already gonna say well maybe they fly in they play portland it's the four round plus event with extra money and it's a pretty straightforward, good mm-hmm. course that they, for the most part, do enjoy, it seems as if. 
And then they also do Beaver State because Beaver State is so beloved. And so, therefore, you get the Good. Big Bang with those two. Now, uh, when you're talking about uh, Portland to OTB, you're talking, I'm going to say roughly 12, uh, 9, 10, 12 hours, yeah. somewhere like that in terms of driving. That's the one that I could see potentially being on the chopping block the most, where people are like, hey, yeah, I could see doing the the the, the true Pacific Northwest in Portland and Beaver State, but you know, OTB, I'm, I'm not going to mm-hmm. make the journey for. I'm um, sure sometime right around then is going to be De La. It, I mean, there will be events you can probably go to. My guess is De La is going to be the week after OTB, if I had to take a wild guess. Maybe the week before, but um, it the week after is, is a gut instinct that you could hit these other large A-tier events, as we said. And this is it's funny because this harkens back to everything is cyclical, Terry. When we were younger and the A-tiers, the super tours called at the time, were what a majority of the players hit when they weren't doing the NTs. And that's what we got. We've we've now eliminated silver events. We're, we, I guarantee you we're going to see more big names play more big A tiers again on these on these weeks where they just have a weekend off. Like, oh, cool. I, I've got uh, after the Des Moines Challenge, uh, I'm, maybe I am or am I'm not going to Europe. If not, I'm going to play some I'm going to play some A tiers or uh, between Preserve and Des Moines. You know, maybe Mad City Open is an A tier on that weekend or something, and they play mm-hmm. they play Mad City and then go down to Des Moines. I I think you're going to see players. These top players hit more A tiers than we have in the past because there's no silver events. And again, we're, it's not going to be all of them. You're, yeah, you're I was not going to say it's you're not going to get be... your Kelvins, your Pauls, maybe not your Rickies. Although Ricky is a workhorse, so you never know with that guy. Um, but it's not going to be your top tier competitors. But I guarantee you, tenth place will just tenth place through fiftieth place on the Pro Tour standings probably yeah, might be showing up. Probably more than likely going to going to take your money at your local A tier. Yeah. So I think that could be kind of cool. Yeah, we'll see what that does. Or as, again, so many players are continuing to say, hey, we need more weeks off. We can't be on this grind as much and playing our best, therefore. And now I get it. There's some people that very much replied, especially when I had done my my little podcast the other night, people saying, oh, you guys are throwing Frisbees for a living. Get over it. You're getting paid a million bucks, Ricky. Quit whining. That's a take that you can have. But just know, yeah, Ricky, Ricky could play. All 18 of these elite plus events plus four majors and and play 34 weekends next year. He could. He could burn out his body. He could also have troubles getting from event to event due to tight turnarounds and everything else that goes along with traveling. And and he could, what if he plays at, I'm just going to throw out a number and say 70%. Let's say he averages 70% of his full capacity, but he plays in, in 30% more events. Is that the Ricky you want? I mean... Thankfully, Ricky gets to make those decisions, not any of us, mm-hmm. our armchair quarterbacks. quarterbacks. But he those should let, would be decisions he He, he should let you and I make a schedule. <laughs> like next year, Ricky, we're going to make your schedule oh, next year. I'll talk I'll talk to Fern. I've got an idea or two. Yeah, maybe. maybe. And guess what, Rick? It starts in Thailand, but that's, that's another story. Ooh. Uh, 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 and other news, PDGA, the 2024 A-tier request form is now available. So if you're talking about running one of those A-tiers and you look at the schedule and you say, ooh, I'd really like that spot because the players are here. And if you if you want to attract those players, go out, check out the A-tier. They've even got the full list of DGBT events. Um, 
So are these just DGPT plus and they're no longer elite plus? They're, or? they're considered elite events. Elite events. Because I was... Someone... From a accounting and, and records perspective, this is going to get really effing confusing. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, my, my thought was, like, take an event like LVC. There is no reason that the PDGA could not give... We'll just say, if Vegas decides they want to run in April, just make up a date. There's no reason they couldn't be an elite event. You don't have to be an elite event and be on the pro tour. They could give you an elite series event. If, if, I think if they would just call it an A tier. Because there's an additional distinction to being an elite event. Sure. Why can't my event, if, if, if Vegas has $100,000 in added cash, why can't they be an elite event? If 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 it's I mean we all know they have the quality of courses they have the this there is no I I don't believe there is a logistical reason why they could not be an elite event and not be on the pro tour. Uh, the only thing I would have to defer to is the PDGA standards. Yeah, we, we'd have to look at it the, for sure where the definitions come. Mm-hmm. Uh, a tiers continue to have minimum requirements of three thousand above, which they'd obviously make, and blah blah blah. A tier must be completed. I'm just trying to look for any other things that would that uh, somewhere. I'm guessing in some fine print, there's a distinction that says if you're an elite series event, you have to be on the pro tour. Yeah, because our 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 national tour used to be our our, our the uh, early days yeah. of an elite event. I mean, it, we're not we're two years away from uh, past. Having elite events and pro tour events has anything changed? Logist, not to say logistically, but uh, rules wise, in the last two years, as far as those two events. I mean, I, I, I don't see why it couldn't happen. I, I'm going to say right now, it's not going to happen. Look, well, again, I can't find the standards, but I'm guessing things like a uh, certain degree of media coverage. I'm sure there's a uh, some benchmarks there or might some. Be strict standards and requirements that officially deem you as elite sure. as opposed to an A tier. And I'm looking for them as we speak. I'm just saying, I th- I think we, we could be starting up in a, an era where, I mean, with the amount of money that's coming into disc golf now, I, you know, if the pro tour, yes, or tomorrow, once again, drops an event, music city open, and they're just like, oh, cool. We we have all this money. We want to be, we still want to be an elite event. I, I don't know why the pro why the PDGA would have an issue with having more elite events, other than it could be confusing having an elite event that's not on the pro tour. I, I don't know what the qualifications are. We'll take a look here, but I would love to see somebody try. Uh, I'm looking at Elite Series per the 2023 standards chart. Okay. Uh, length of event, three to four days, holes, all uh, all good. Uh, you you need a minimum added of $30,000 yep. as opposed to $3,000 for an A tier. So that's a significant jump. Uh, pro purse has to be you know 100% entry fees. Uh, AM payouts are not applicable because you can't have AMs. Correct. So uh, that other stuff is all pretty standard. Current officials uh, sanctioning all, blah, 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 all that. It's pretty standard. I'm sure there is. 
Uh, if I could find some words, of course, distances don't, I mean, they matter, but they don't, uh, minimum rating of 935 that can be applied. Yeah. Earthen T pads. Yeah. That's just one of the standards that you can't have any earthen T pads at an elite series. And the course has to be set up a few days ahead. I, Again, all not a problem. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't recall. And it's been again, two years since I think I looked at this at, at, or since, a, or it's, and it's been zero years since you ran a. Oh, I've an never. Or an I've, no, I've never run. But, I've, but I But I did. I do remember reading about uh, elite series requirements years ago. Yeah. So again, this is different in that it's the 2023 standards. I definitely haven't looked at that or 2022 or 2021. I probably, mean, I think. But, I think uh, just by definition, again, somewhere in here probably states that elite essentially has to be, for lack of a better term, awarded, as opposed to, um, sure, just like. You 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 met the standards, therefore you check the boxes, therefore you're you're granted that. Mm-hmm. You have to be uh, I don't want to say nominated. What's the word? Uh, not a, awarded is kind of the word. Which, anyway, I, I mean, he, because otherwise, what you're saying, just to be clear, yeah. you're saying any large scale event that's been that's near these this threshold that's been in the vetted. last few years. We'll use KC Wide Open, which ran a hell of a show last year by everyone's account. Mm-hmm. I wasn't part of it. But I just heard everyone says it's amazing. And let's say they upped their their. We'll use one hundred thousand dollars as the mark. They they have a hundred thousand added. They have yep. an incredible course. They're only going to run pros. You're saying, I think they in theory should. they should be granted. Not should be granted. I think they should be. They should be allowed to be to to ask to be an elite. There should be no reason why they couldn't be granted an elite series. Like what I don't mean, think I don't think you're given it just because you meet the qualifications. Uh, yeah, but isn't that just like years ago? Like, not every event that was big and good could be an NT. Correct. But you're kind of saying if you're big enough and good enough, that you, even though you're not invited to be an elite series... No, you're not invited to be a DGPT Okay, event. DGPT, you're but saying... I'm saying you. Okay. That there's the DGPT series, I, okay. and that the PDGA, in theory, should still be allowed to hand out elite series to events that are not on the DGPT. Uh, all right. What if I, think, I get? I think you're splitting a funny hair. Is what I I, I think you're splitting. Because but that's only because I don't have a definition in front of correct, me. Correct. Be, because player of the year, those type of qualifications are based a lot on elite series events. That's how the PDGA looks at them. There's no again. There's no logistical reason why there can't be an elite level event that is not on the pro tour. I know we're. All right, all right. Let, let's just so, read here. Let's just but, quickly read here. But here's here's a quick. That's my opinion. If you go to pdj.com slash elite dash series, here's where I'm going to just try to quickly peruse over a few. Maybe this will provide a little clarity for both of us. Uh, PDGA elite series is the in quotes is the designation used for a tour of professional events approved as a PDGA elite series by the PDGA board of directors and where points are earned and players toward are earned by players towards a crowning tour champion. These events and series are to promote the sport of disc golf in the PDG in a positive light, consistent with our mission, cater to MPO and FPO divisions only, and bring a high level of exposure to, uh, to the sport through national and international. Simply put, elite series events provide an overall positive impact to the sport of disc golf and serve to enhance the PDG mission. Okay, let's say so, we check all those boxes. Right? No, no, I mean, right away, the very first thing you said was... Is the designation used for a tour of a professional tour of events. professional events? So, by that phrasing, you can't have a single elite event. You have to be part of a tour, which would be the DGPT. So you have your super silver 
Elite Series events, where all the silver events from last year band together and say, hey, sure. let's all get to 50,000 minimum. Let's yeah. just, again, we're playing pretend. Yeah, play pretend. We'll all get to 50,000 minimum added. We'll all do what we did last year, and mm-hmm. we kicked ass at them. And we're going to be call- we're gonna call ourselves the Super Silver Elite Series. Sure. Yes. If in, in theory, yes. If you got two or three more events together that hit these qualifications, there is no reason the PD, from what you've read, there's no reason the PDGA could not award them elite series status. Okay. So I'll, I'll but the keep last, going. The last line, uh, phrase or sentence, or I'm sorry, paragraph. Wow. For a series of events to be designated as a PDGA elite series, all events comprising the series, as well as the series itself, must show a track record of success and include the sustainability of the organization, both financially and in its execution, with the ability to repeat each season. Each event in the series must be sanctioned as an A tier or above and must consistently maintain or surpass competition standards of the PDGA, also as the individual uh, event contracts with our Elite Series event host. So in theory... I guess by if I'm Say reading it. this correctly, Say it. in theory, Say it. if a number of events bonded together Say it. Say and created words. a series, in theory, they could also be a PDJ elite series of their own. I'm. You're pretty close to right. <laughs> I'll take that. I will take that. And again, I don't think this is going to happen. But, but it's but it's but, it, but, it, but it's you're possible. not crazy because it's people possible. said that they said, hey, why these well, are all great events? Why yeah. don't these events just run on their own then as their own series? People have said yeah, that because you don't again like KC Wide Open, LVC, um, Dale, Casc- Cascade D- Challenge, D- Dela Cascade Challenge, and whatever. Cool, you guys all get together on a Zoom call and you say, hey, let's make this a mini tour. We're just going to award points to people at the end of the season. We'll have a crowning event or a, a, a thing. We all hit the the, uh, the the qualifications. Let's be elite events. And then you have to go to the PGA, and the PGA has to say, cool, you're an elite event. Now, I do know that the Pro Tour has a contract with the PDGA that says any official tour of the PDGA, they have first right of refusal for coverage. So that is part of, and that's anywhere in the world, I believe. So if there's a... Uh, Southeast Asian tour that the PDGA dubs as the official Southeast yeah. Asian tour, the DGPT, I believe, has first right of refusal to cover that before anybody else. Um, but if those events wanted to band together, I don't see why we would, why we should not let them. If sure. they all hit the qualifications. Well, again, we'll keep using Sil- Super Silver as a, as a random Su- name. Super Duper. The Super Duper Silver Series. Yeah. Now, also, if you go to DGPT.com, the very first thing it says on the page, Disc Golf Pro Tour, the official pro tour of the PDGA. Okay. I I just am throwing that out there for some context. That's and what. they are. They're official. Yes. That doesn't mean there can't be other pro tours of the PDGA. There's just the official one. <laughs> As Alfred says on the board, <laughs> let's just bring back the term national tour. Do it. Like, there, no right? one's using there's it. branding there. Yeah, there's already some branding. Johnny. I think you just volunteered to be the CEO of the national tour, and I will be your media consultant. Oh, that's so good. Let me call Steve Dodge and get some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Steve. Oh, <laughs> we'll oh, see. Too soon. Too <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, uh, we I, just I, stumbled into it. All right, CEO. Oh, what could my title be? 
director. Director. Yeah, I'll be a director. You got to be director. That's that's of like something. yeah, director of something. That's, a, that's, that's a literally you're the director of something. What do you say? I'm director of something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just call me the director of something. Okay. So now that we've gone off on that tangent for the last 15 minutes, as far as what yeah. we're going to see on the tour and a, a tiers and whatnot, Terry, what other news do we have? Obviously, I mean, I, I would just quickly to, to kind of button all that up is okay. Of course, tons of reactions. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've gone over some of these. Uh, Isaac Robinson just literally said, I love this. <laughs> like, that was his whole response to it. Uh, Ezra Aderhold, I, I think, explicitly said, I hate that we're skipping Vegas. Mm-hmm. I, that sucks. I like Vegas. Uh, of course, fans' perspective, tons of you, you know, even on the board tonight. Oh, good. I hate Vegas. The very next post could be, I love Vegas. I mean, if the reactions alone don't tell you how difficult it is, uh, then I, I don't know what else to tell you because you can find just as many people that say one thing and then nearly the polar opposite come in from the other side, which just proves how difficult this all is to navigate. That, well, that's what I'll say. I'm guessing if you live on the West Coast... Of course you're disappointed. You're like... If if Arizona is your home base, like we'll say Anthony Barella, he probably doesn't want to have to go all the way to Florida to drive all the way back. I bet you he didn't mind starting in Vegas. Uh, as one example, sure. But and, then funny enough. But if you're Isaac Robinson and you live in Georgia, going to Florida looks way better than driving all course. the way across the United States to drive all the way back across the United States just to drive all the way back across the United States. Sure. Uh, and, and then coincidentally that you just <laughs> randomly brought up Barella, his father... <laughs> on one of the messages, I think uh, Macbeth made a post and said, hey, the news is out. We're kicking things off here. Anthony Brella's father, Jason Brella, chimed in on that particular thread and said, well, looks like we're moving to Florida sometime soon, like making the joke that, hey, everything's starting over there. They're, they'd be ready to move out of Arizona. Again, maybe a little tongue in cheek, but funny that it just it's so you want dry heat or wet. It's heat? so Way subjective to as to who you are and, you know, what. Mm-hmm. what satisfies you the most and clearly there's a lot of differing opinions out there on it so uh it was interesting mm-hmm. to see chris clemens made one of the most pointed posts that i saw out of everyone as one of the responses and he said we play the when we play the beast or waco of which only now half of the tournament is at the beast mm-hmm. and the other half will probably be in a much more open you know temporary course or or semi permanent or permanent course we don't play a, ha- a wooded course again until Northwood Black at Ledgestone. Uh, I, I, it's just an, I would push back against that in Beaver State a little bit. I mean, sure. definitions of wooded courses, whatever. If you're talking tight lines. Okay. and, and I, I'm just saying that's, an, right? it's a, like, th- that's a valid take, but I could also say, ugh. The whole last month and a half of the tour is all wooded golf, practically. I don't get any bomber courses. I have no Heiser Olympics anymore. I, I, I get it. So many people, nobody pines, pun intended, for open courses. Very few people said like, man, I would love to just watch these guys just air it out for, for 500, 600 feet. You know, other than probably GMC at uh, Brewster, right? Brewster's the open one. I was confused. No, Fox, Fox Run, the Meadows, Meadow, Meadows, Fox Meadows. Gives you the idea that yeah, it Fox Meadows. Open. Um, I, for some reason, I, it's been <laughs> ten years and I can't get those two straight in my brain. Um, it's one. They're they're one big course to me. It, other than that event, I mean, what big wide open bomber courses are out there? You know, there's none. You get no 
courses like Vegas where you can just unload after that. So I, I've always said I love our tour because of the variety. Now, is it not as mixed as I would like as far as open wooded, open wooded? No, we've always started out the first half of the season. Early season tended to be the wide open, kind of get your arm ready, bomber courses. Then you had one or two kind of wooded courses. Like Waco is a 50-50 course. Mm-hmm. You know, you got 50% of it in the woods. I'm, I'm saying the beast in general, 50% of the woods, 50% is kind of park style golf. Mm-hmm. And now you've got, <laughs> we'll just say the other 50% of that tournament is going to be probably more of an open bomber course. I, I don't know. I understand Chris because Chris really prefers that style of course. So I can see, his, I don't say frustration, but I can see his point of view. I just think that we have a lot of different styles of golf and they're weighted differently on different asp- different sides of the tour. That's all I can, you know, yeah, I I, I, I'm just saying I can understand his perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah, Glendevere. I mean, they're yeah, they're they're a little more of a bomber, Glendevere and OTB. They're a little bit, yeah, more open. Correct. So, at any rate, that was you know, I it was interesting to see players' perspective. Of course, a lot of events and TDs, and I mean. I kind of lump them. There's like the spectator perspective and fan perspective, mm-hmm. right? They, everybody, you know, had their yelling and screaming and then individual events. And we kind of touched on it. KC wide open Las Vegas had their, you know, responses. I also thought of, you know, a place like Tallahassee that I know has worked really hard mm-hmm. and, and got as far as being a silver event, super silver elite series. <laughs> yeah. Super silver elite <laughs> national tour series coming at you, but sponsored worked, by the world tour. They work super hard. <laughs> And and now here we are in Florida, but they're not going to be still on the tour. And that's no slight at them. It's it's a number of events. Uh, again, we couldn't have 26 events, you know, with removing the silvers and then replacing them with other events. And you can't just say, well, well now we're just going to have 26 events. That you could. To go to. Well, you could. It's, uh, but- I, again, there's no reason. I think we are moving there. I think we're moving to a point where it's at, there will probably in the next five to ten years be an elite event almost every weekend. And then players will just get to pick and choose the ones they want to go to. Oh. Like, I think you, if, if let's just say you had 30 elite events and you only take the top 15 in, in your score. Cool. Guess what? I get to pick 15 elite or maybe I go to 20 or just to hope that in case I tank a few events, I, I, I think we're moving there. Yeah. Oh, and I, you're I, going to see players skip events. You're going to see somebody that just goes, Ugh, I just, I don't love the MVP. Just throw one out there, even though everyone yeah. loves MVP. But I, I'm going to skip that event. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't uh, know. As the board, very divided. Like I said, some people say, uh, uh, I liked Vegas. Too bad it's gone. And, and just a few you know, messages earlier is, oh, I'm glad to get rid of it. Again, it, it's mm-hmm. it's... Everyone has a different take on it. Uh, there's lots of reasons why it does make sense to be there, and there's some reasons why it doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, you nor I are making any of these, nope. of these decisions. And quite honestly, Although, we were completely in the dark about what the schedule is going to look like. The and night, I, the night before, you were, you were, you and I were talking after the on Tuesday, after like, after show, on the after after private show, and we were saying like, oh, I'd love to start getting things scheduled for next season. 
I want to know. I wonder if they have the tour set up yet, even a rough draft of it that maybe we can kind of start to get the feeling for. Because all the majors are are set. So yep. then I'm I'm looking to see what the pro tour looks like around that. Yeah. And so we reached out and they were like, well, here's a rough schedule. I wouldn't count anything for sure. And then literally like 10 hours later, here's the finals tour schedule. That got approved real quick. They got approved real quick. So, so I, uh, we, we were not privy to it in any way, nor should we have really been. But mm-mm. this gives us a good framework and... Uh, you guys can continue to argue and fight about it, but that that's what is on the schedule as of now. Uh, and they're going to continue to add things, like Johnny said earlier. There might be some uh, you know, qualifying events and some of these other things. You're going to probably see a few exhibition things come up. I know there's been a conversation about some of the exhibitions we've had over the last few years. Some of those might surface as the year goes on, so on and so forth. So remain calm for now. And, no, uh, I'm going to panic. It's October. Well, you're already the CEO of a new oh, tour. Damn. You better start I need to start. I need to start getting on that. Uh, <laughs> so good luck with that. Do you think if I called up UC, I could get the old world tour flags? Uh, it's worth a shot. UC, send them to me. Yeah, that is definitely uh, worth a shot. Um, <clears throat> all right. What about bringing disc golf to rural downtown areas and bigger cities to promote the most go- growth in a Grand Prix style that makes sense? Don't see it happening. Uh, it, it sounds fun. It sounds like a great exhibition. It sounds like a good PR. I don't want to call it stunt a good PR marketing like exhibition kind of thing. I think of the X game, not the X games, the uh, the GoPro Mountain games a few years ago. Asheville has had some uh, city golf stuff. Like, there's a ton of really cool things that could happen, but we're not going to see it. I think as a as a legitimate, you know, in terms of a legitimate event that is, you know, with. A thirty thousand dollar first place prize, unless again, uh, uh, Mountain. I'm sorry, GoPro comes along and says, "Hey, we've got this absurd amount of money to throw at you." And even then, it would still be essentially under the umbrella if, of a of an exhibition. Well, if GoPro has a ton of money to throw around, contact me, the new CEO of Super Series Silver and National, National Tour, Tour Incorporated Series LLC. Uh, what is a great question. Alfred asks, so the disc golf convention is dead. That's the other thing that wasn't directly addressed on the schedule. However, Orlando's like the convention capital of the world, practically. And if it doesn't happen maybe there, two. if it doesn't happen in Orlando to kick off the year along with the all-star event, I could see that maybe shifting to the end of the year. And I know they took a lot of feedback in terms of what happened at the first year's event. Well, I keep saying last year was just... I guess it was technically like eight months ago. Um, they're going to take that feedback and and with transitioning to Orlando, it may not happen in Orlando in the beginning. It might, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you see that attached to an end of the season uh, gathering as well. That's that's the only. I don't even want to call it insight. That's the best speculation though that I could give you. This tour, do you know who it benefits Your the new most? One? No, 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 no. The 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 old pro tour. This oh, new this old pro tour. The old twenty twenty. The old twenty twenty four pro tour. Uh huh. Who's the benefit? Skip ace. No yes. more freaking silver events. I need to worry about people pissed and moaned because half the pros would sign up for the silver events and then they'd uh, skip out on them. And so suddenly it was like, oh yeah, look at all these players that are going to be there. And a day before, suddenly you have a third of the field gone and people are complaining. No more silver events. See? It's See all the pull all, you have? It's all pro tour events. So we'll be, we'll be able to make a very nice schedule next year of just pro tour and majors. That's great. Um, and I'm really excited. I got some good stuff for Skip Base next year already. It's going to be fun. 
All right. Yeah, so that was one advantage. And then real quickly, just for the sake of addressing it, some people in- immediately said, hey, the schedule in this tour is a direct reaction to red and blue states and, and transgender uh, litigation. I don't think so. Not at all. Like, if you just look at it, like, there was the the uh, potential lawsuit in Minnesota. We still have the preserve. There was the lawsuits uh, California. in California at OTB. OTB is still happening. Uh, Portland Open, along with uh, Beaver State Fling in Oregon, still happening. Uh, Ledgestone, which was one of the events that was potentially going to move to another city, or I'm sorry, another state for the FPO side. Ledgestone is still happening. So I, I just want to quickly say that I understand there was kind of a knee-jerk or gut reaction to people saying, well, you know, the tour is consolidating and moving and doing this and shifting events and names and tournaments largely as a direct reaction. to That, that doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, as far as the press release said, I think we're still going to see another version uh, or iteration of the United Series and then uh, points awarded in different capacities. So I just wanted to say, if that's immediately where you went, it, it just the math doesn't math there, and that doesn't check out the events, most of which had potential mm-hmm. threats or considerations all are still moving forward in 2024. So yeah, we'll, it's we'll worth know, We'll know more about the Unified Series. As it gets closer. As course. it gets closer. We know nothing well, about it as of now. But. I, and, I, and I only say that because <laughs> with the way um, politically states are constantly changing and moving, that might have something to do with where the Unified Tour kind of is or isn't next year. I, I think I think they're going to hold off on that for a while before making any final decisions at, to unify to the unified tour. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's most of everything. I think we beat the schedule to death, although it was the number one topic of conversation. Uh, we also saw, I don't know if you had it handy or maybe I saved it even. I think I have our, oh, I thought I had our uh, USDGC qualifiers from yesterday. And now I don't have the, all the names directly in front of me. Random uh, Lada being Jay, one of them. Jay rattled them off. Okay. So, uh, yeah. At least, at least for USDGC, we did not. I don't think he mentioned the throw pink, although I know uh, Ricciotti got Cynthia one. Ricciotti. Uh, and Erica Stinchcomb, maybe? It might have been Erica Stinchcomb. I don't I feel like know it for was. sure. I, I wasn't on top of my uh, media game yesterday. One of the hot geese. <laughs> okay. Then I think then you, then you got a 50-50 chance. No, there. I'm just saying she is. She's one of the hockey's. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she, if <laughs> Madison I believe is already qualified, so. Uh <laughs> Alfred says uh NT 2.0. LVC Memorial La Mirada Masters, well, La, oh yeah, La Mirada and Masters Cup separate, yep. Masters Cup Clash at the Canyons. Okay. Johnny, you've already got your schedule half done. I think we need to bring in the VPO. Oh, okay, we'll go let's VPO. Let's bring back VPO. Um, uh, how about a Skylands Classic? Like, if we're going to represent New York, like Ooh. that wasn't that was an NT. Yes, yes, it was. Which I was never there or part of, even though it's an epic course, and everybody you know Mo mm-hmm. Mo speaks highly of it. So, like, epic. Uh, maybe bring bring back the Brent Hambrick. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that would have to be. That was an, an original. Or an old school NT. Great Lakes is still running on its own, although in September, which is going to be weird. Yeah, if we think about it, we could bring back some more. Uh, maybe uh, the Fort Stellacum Challenge. Oh, Fort yeah. Fort Stellacum Open. Yeah, yeah. That's still that's still running, but yeah, we have but, to I elevate mean, it. I mean, so is Masters Cup, but we could. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Idaho. I mean, what, what events? How could we forget any of the 
The Potato Eaters Classic. The, the big Idaho events. So, Alfred, yes. Sounds like you just became director of scheduling, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred, contact my people. <laughs> They'll contact your people. Uh, we're going to have you work on the schedule. All right. I got a, a trivia question for the after show that will come uh, thanks to Jay Redding. So, again, another giveaway tonight. Thank you. I've been sending out giveaways. I sent out yet another one today. And I feel like I've caught up on like four or five others. Way to go, Terry. I'll say it again for the hundredth time. If you are owed a giveaway and somehow you do not have it, you are not hurting my feelings, please just reach out to me. I want to get out a disc or a shirt or a hat or whatever it was or something that you may even like more because you've had to wait so long and I can tailor it even better. But yes, if you've ever won and we haven't gotten it to you, Please reach out to me. Uh, I, I we want to get you your stuff, but and I know we don't talk about closer it. and closer. We don't talk about it a lot during the regular show. But if you want to be qualified to win something every week, every week, every single freaking week, patreoncom TV. Again, for just a dollar a month, you can sign up and be eligible for our weekly giveaway. It helps support us. It helps. You know, pay a lot of the server costs, the, the, uh, the, you know, pushing out the two weekly podcasts and maybe more someday in the future if we get around to it again. Pays for my rock star. Pays for Terry's <laughs> weekly rock star that he drinks here. Um, it really does help us out quite a bit. Patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. So thank you very much. And tonight's giveaway is brought to you by our friends Jay and Des Redding. So we thank them very much. Uh, Carney says, I won the $6,940 prize during that late stream with Tyler in bed. Remember? Mm. Tyler? Uh, Tyler doesn't work for us anymore. So if he That's any it. debts owed, <laughs> roll with him <laughs> on that one. So He got a brand new job. He can afford it. Uh, real quick, just to touch on it, this weekend, the other big news, I guess, that did come out today, even though Jay almost alluded to it. Uh, it's been announced officially, even though we knew it was in the works. Uh, Ken Climo will be part of the MPO broadcast booth this weekend. Uh, he'll be joining Philo along with Ian. I think it's Ian's birthday today. If so, happy birthday uh, to you, Ian. But Climo, Philo, and Ian in the MPO it's, booth, in the FPO booth. It's uh, it's funny, just talking about the MPO booth. I saw the, the, the announcement from Climo, and it was like, what? I was thinking, like, that wasn't known? And and clearly, like I, I, I just maybe had taken it for granted that I'd yeah. heard it weeks well, that's weeks what ago. We get for but being on the inside. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. Uh, on the FPO side, yes, we will see Zoe Endike, Juliana Corver, and Charlie Eisenhood. I think both Earhart and Perkins will probably both be out on the ground, respectively, MPO FPO stuff, and doing Tournament Central, as far as I'm aware of. I will likely be, as far as I think my last email said, I will be, the main function I will have is conducting interviews off of the 18th green of hot rounds, interesting stories, additional content that gets fed onto the Disc Golf Network. Uh, I got to double check my email, but I believe that was kind of the official uh, plan for for me banking interviews throughout the weekend. And, you know, maybe showing you guys a little behind the scenes uh, whenever I can and, and, if the beverages allow it, uh, you just might see a nightly show from me on some or all of the nights. But <laughs> what do they say? Hold my beer. Oh, don't hold your breath on that. We'll see how that goes. My family's gone this weekend, so I might do a watch along on one of the days. All right. So all we'll right. see. I'm, I'm not going to commit to it, but 
stay tuned. There could be uh, could be some fun stuff. All right. We're going to close out the regular show. When we come back in the after show, we'll talk about things, non-discover related, whatever it might be, things that are taking place in the world of really, I mean, we're all just living in Taylor Swift's world, if you think about it. But uh, there's more than just Taylor. No, there's not. Okay, there's not. Uh, We'll talk about that, and we'll have the giveaway. We need to to get her a disc in her hand. (laughs) Yes, we do. Or a Smashbox shirt. Yeah, speaking of which, we I think we need to buy stickers. All right, it okay. starts there. We'll send her some stickers. That should win her over. That'll win her right over for her <laughs> sticker book. For Podcast 474, we've got to thank Jay and Des Redding, two legends of the game and Hall of Famers and all-around incredible people. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. We'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.